What do you get when you mix a megalomaniacal record producer, a blonde bombshell, and a smoking gun? This week's episode of Death and Entertainment. Hello, this is Phil Spector. May we wish you the very merriest of Christmases and the happiest of New Years. And thank you so very much for letting us spend this Christmas with you. From Los Angeles. 911, what is your emergency? Here in Hollywood now. Two counts of murder, injury, and death. Oh my God! Shocking new details that have stunned the entertainment world. Um, this makes me a little nervous. The hair stood up on my arms. Just like in the movies. We <laughs> <laughs> call this thing anyway. Death in entertainment. Hello, 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 everybody. Ho, ho, ho. Merry Christmas, Dettos. Mer- Merry Deathmas, I say. Again, yeah. Yeah. The whole month of Deathmas. The whole month of Deathmas. 25 days of Deathmas. You lucky bastards, you get 25 days of this. You lucky so-and-sos. You sons of the bitches. What's going on, everybody? <laughs> My name is Kyle Plouffe. My name is Mark Mulcairn. And I'm Alejandro Dowling. And we are going straight into episode 61. Oh, my God. Discussing a very controversial figure in the Los Angeles scene at large, I would say. Yeah. Chelsea Handler. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you got to be kidding me. Come on. Yay. Nay. <laughs> Ooh. Hey. You guys got a good repertoire here. Where's Kanye? Yes. <laughs> Talking about Nazis. Whoa. Yeah. Yeah, he is. <laughs> Pretty true, actually. It's factually correct. It is factually correct. Scumbag. And you know what else is factually correct? What's that, Kyle? That we are doing an episode that's taking us all the way to... February 3rd, 2003. Ooh, what a time. Two three oh three. We got in the box office at this time going crazy. Number three, Biker Boys. Yes, Boys with a Z. So you know it's real. Of course, good. it is with a Z. Yeah. <laughs> How could you not have it with Biker a Z? Boys? Yeah, the nineties were carrying over a few years. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is a movie that was all produced in the nineties, but for some reason it came out. And it has nothing to do with Dogtown and Z Boys. I have no idea. Yeah, a lot, of, a lot of Z. No, I don't think it has nothing to do. This is just a, um, it's just like a narrative about dudes that that ride bikes and they like kill each other like gangs. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I just re- I remember, what's the guy's name? He was always uh, in John Favreau movies. Big dude. Um, we got Lawrence Fishburne. He was in, in Made. Here. Derek Luke, Megan Good, Sally Richardson, Orlando Jones. Who was the uh, original Seven Up guy before um, Godfrey took over? Oh, really? Yeah. I wonder what the behind the scenes of that struggle. <laughs> I want to see that movie <laughs> rather than Biker Boys. Yeah, it's like the the Letterman and uh, uh, Leno <laughs> made for oh, TV yeah, movie. Yeah. The Night Shift. <laughs> the Late yeah, Shift. The Late Shift. Yeah. yeah. Make Seven Up yours. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that was the big joke. Yeah. <laughs> and it was funny one time. Yeah. 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 <laughs> the fifteenth time. Yeah, not so much. Number two is a sequel, a big sequel, and I think it might be the first movie that we've talked about with one of our favorite actors. Uh, Final Destination 2 with Mr. Devin Sawa. Yeah. Yeah. For the Sawa heads out there. I'm a Sawa head. Sawa D's. Let's go. Yeah. <laughs> he's uh he's played three characters in the new Chucky TV show on USA and Sci-Fi. Really? Three? He's played three. He played a set of twins in the first 
se- uh, season. Then the second season, he plays a priest. Wait, he plays a whole different character. Yeah, he plays. It's oh, like wow. is it a running narrative? That's like that's no, it's they- like a it's like an inside like wink. Yeah, that's what they do on on Law and Order. They're like some of the people are so good. Like there's yeah. some woman was playing like a crazy crackhead in uh, in court, and then two seasons later, she's playing the chief of police, and like no one even notices. It's yeah. hilarious. Yeah. Uh, Final Destination Two is responsible for everybody's traumatic memory of the logs coming off the truck and going through people's windshields. Oh yeah, so, yeah. If you ever drive behind them, you immediately think of that movie. And if you didn't know that, now you do. Now you do. <laughs> there you go. I do think of that every time I'm driving on the highway and I'm behind some kind of trailer or yeah. huge truck like that. I had that happen on the 101. Some rocks. Uh, they must have fell, fallen off a car, but they broke my windshield when I was on the 101 oh going God. like 80 miles per hour. And it's like I had to pull over. And I was all the way up in like um uh uh San Luis Obispo, whatever it's called. Yeah, and I was San like, Luis. I, I had to I had to call someone um uh like a like a, a glass person and be like, how do I get home? Oh Jesus! Yeah, it was fucking rough. You're lucky to be alive. I am. Yeah, it was it was kind of scary. Yeah, it is. On the 101, when I first got my motorcycle, I'm flying down the highway, and there's a truck in front of me, and uh, glass tiles for like someone's bathroom fell off, and they're just exploding. And I'm like, oh, this isn't going to hurt that bad. And they're just like shards just stabbing me as I'm going through what? the tiles that are going. Yeah, they actually You could be in Biker Boys. Open. You could be ne- you could <laughs> stunt man in Biker Boys. <laughs> That's what it was about. <laughs> One pa- podcaster's wild ride into Hollywood. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I don't think it would be number three, though. <laughs> no. It wouldn't even be number yeah. 20. Yeah. <laughs> and number one at the time is The Recruit. Which I don't remember. That's with Colin Farrell. Remember yeah, in Al Pacino. Oh, you're the recruit. Oh, that's right. Remember that he he was uh, yeah. It's like a CIA like uh, training movie. And it was one of Colin Farrell's first starring roles. Yeah, I think he was starting to get like the the bigger yeah, roles and shit because he had done Minority Report. Yes, and made a splash, and then he now did. This yeah, one. I just saw him in uh in the Shirin or uh, the Banshees of Inshirin. Uh, uh, which is really good. Getting some Oscar buzz. A lot yeah. of Oscar buzz. And, and he did the Penguin earlier this yeah. year. He was great. And, you know, little known fact, he played Brendan Fraser in The Whale as well. <laughs> <laughs> wow, he's got range this yeah. guy. Yes, yes. He's really good. I think it's his year for the Oscar. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so that's the uh, the top three. Well, let's hear about the music going on right now, February 3rd, 2003. Um, top three songs right now. Number three, "Beautiful" by Christina Aguilera. You are beautiful. I thought this is when she was dirty. She was dirty. She was dirty. <laughs> then she's beautiful. Which yeah. one is it? Yeah, both. Yeah, in Kyle's world, they're both the same. Yeah. Thing. Listen, women can be whatever they want. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. So I'm the one. Yeah, you're the, the oppressor. I'm yeah. the oppressor now. Colonizer. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> the song is beautiful, though. Is it? I'm just naming the song. No matter oh, okay, what they okay. say. You're, you're not uh, critiquing <laughs> no, what you thought I, of it. Literally yeah. just saying the title of the song. Yeah. Okay. Well, Words thank you can't for bring that. me down. To reiterate that. Number two, <laughs> B2K, Bump, Bump, Bump. That's yeah. three bumps right it's there. song about cocaine. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> yeah. In the bathroom? Yeah. <laughs> I was in the bathroom doing yeah. bump, bump, bumps. Yeah, on my key. Um, Number one, All I Have by Jennifer Lopez, which your I, favorite. I've talked. I didn't say favorite, but I, 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 I like her. Yeah. Yeah. She's all right. She's all right. Yeah. She's Jenny from the block. She I can't is. think of what I would like her that much from. Uh, the Cell. 
Really? The movie The Cell. Anaconda. Anaconda, yeah. too, yeah. They got snakes out here this big? I just remember <laughs> that line from Anaconda for some reason. Ice Cube saying that. Yep. But uh, yeah, that's the uh, that's the music, and we got the movies, and uh, that's it. The world is set. The stage is set. Oh, you got it, buddy. Oh yeah. And the snow is snowing. Yeah. The wind is blowing. The- and we about to go into the story of Phil Spector. Harvey Philip Specter was born December 26th, what? 1939. Ooh. Just after Christmas. How about that? That's wow. crazy. Yeah. I don't uh, know how I would feel about having a birthday the day after Christmas. Mm. Yeah, he, but he, he, he was Jewish, though, so he didn't really celebrate. So I don't, I don't think that's that big of a problem. But <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> You're right. I'm talking about me. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, speaking of, his family uh, were Russian Jewish immigrants yeah. living in the Bronx. Wow. Really? I didn't yeah. know he was from the Bronx. He had one older sister, Shirley, and uh, his mom, Bertha, and dad, hey, Bertha. <laughs> yeah, Bertha. You don't hear any more Berthas today. No. That's a very old-timey name. Yeah. I, how do you look at a baby and just say, Bertha? <laughs> <laughs> or look at a baby and say, Beatrice. Yeah, but Beatrice is kind of a nicer name, though. Or even a sexual partner being like, oh, yeah, Bertha. Yeah, I want to... <laughs> Bertha, we're going to birth you. Yeah, I want to birth you, baby. <laughs> Is there a hot Bertha out there? Ooh. There has to be. Okay. That's the new reality show. You know, <laughs> America's hottest Bertha. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the America's holy. next top Bertha. <laughs> <laughs> it's the holy grail. Yeah. <laughs> yes. I can see it now. Dad Ben was an iron worker, but he wasn't so happy. He killed himself in 1949. Oh, my God. Self-asphyxiation. From Bertha? No. <laughs> she climbed on top Whoa. of him? Oof. Okay. No. He parked his car and, you know, took the pipe. Oh. You know, put the handkerchief in the exhaust. The and- opening scene of the client. Yeah. yeah. It's like the client. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. That so judge, good. whatever his name is. Yeah. yeah. So Brad Renfro could have witnessed Big Ben killing himself wow. in 1949 if it were... <laughs> in 1949. If it yeah. were a movie. Yeah. yeah. You know, the a movie A lot version. of things have to be changed around <laughs> for you to buy on to that what Alejandro's saying right now. <laughs> Perhaps it was money troubles. People don't really know. Really? Mm. Yeah. And Maybe it's his nine-year-old asshole son. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's like, I sense you're going to be a real problem. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but talented. Yeah. <laughs> On his gravestone, it was written, to know him was to love him. And keep that phrase in the back of your mind, okay? Uh-oh. He, was, he wasn't like one of those people at the funeral. Everyone's like, yeah, he kind of sucked. <laughs> <laughs> no. The family moved to L.A. after that in 1953. And nice change of scenery. Yeah. Phil Spector spent time in his room. Became obsessed with music. Yeah. Would listen to it. He learned how to play guitar. He was very talented. Mm. And, you know, this is the 
story of a lot of these producers, musicians. Like Brian Wilson just hanging out in his bedroom. Yeah. Get doing stuff. Not really relating to a lot of people his own age. Yeah. Yeah. Also, he had a diminutive. How do you say this, Mark? Diminutive? Yeah. I just wouldn't say. Diminutive. I was going to say small. (laughs) (laughs) Then I was like. Go for it. Yeah. You know, you only live once. <laughs> okay, he had you a, pronounce it 10 times, but you it, only live once. And it went amazingly. <laughs> he had a small figure. He's, you know, he's a tiny he's guy. A tiny dude. Yeah. yeah. And I think he was bald already then. Really? No, he wasn't. <laughs> Spoiler alert. You never know. Yeah. Okay. He was fighting a lot with his family. Well, his remaining family. Mm. Was it just his mom? Did he have a sister not or something? His dad. Yeah. Yeah, sister Shirley. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And then mom, Bertha. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That must have been a rough household then. Yeah. yeah they were. Shirley, Bertha, and Harvey yeah, and all a, under the same he's roof. He's outnumbered there big time. Yeah. Bertha, who did not have a diminutive. diminutive. <laughs> oh, man. Diminutive. He, he, he dove right back into it. Say it again. <laughs> diminutive. Diminutive. Okay. Bertha, who did not have a diminutive. That's figure. like pulling out of the car crash, going right back into yeah. it. <laughs> I'm smart. <laughs> It is one of those tough ones, though. Yeah. I have words I'm like, I don't even know. I'm never going to say it because it's just it's it's too like, tough. I'm Tanya Hardy and I'm going for the triple axel, yeah. you know? <laughs> like, and then I flop. You do it one more time. Yeah. All right. In school, there was a girl named Annette Kleinbard. He says to her, I like the way you sing. Let's form a group. Mm. So they formed the Teddy Bears. Oh, that sounds cute. Like cute little uh, pop band. They have a kind of a slow start, but then he writes a song called To Know Him Is To Love Him. Ooh. 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 It's coming right back, huh? Ooh. Like saying diminutive. (laughs) So where did we hear this before? Ooh. At the funeral of the father. On his gravestone. On the gravestone, yeah. (laughs) Phil Spector wrote the song. He was a member of the Teddy Bears, too. Okay. And I have a clip. Let's hear it. In this clip, you'll see that early on, he was already kind of Phil co- Spector. Kind of kooky? Yeah. Yeah. They're creepy and they're spooky. <laughs> the Spector family. <laughs> so this is Annette talking. So we're at rehearsal at the Perry Como show. And when I went to go for the high note, because it's at the top of my range... My voice cracked, and I was mortified, just absolutely mortified. Phil put me up against the wall, and he said, If you fuck up my song, I'm going to kill you. Ah! Whoa. And then when we went to sing the song, if you look at the show, there is a moment before I go for the high note that I think a look of, Please, God, please let me hit this note. Look at him. Let's see if she hits it. Then he smacks her. (laughs) Yeah, there he is on the right there. Bill Spector. Wow. It was a very high note, but I hit it. Bloody FM presents Hometown Ghost Stories. A paranormal podcast that investigates a new town every week, bringing you all the hauntings, from haunted houses to castles, bridges to asylums, 
wandering spirits, to demons. Over 100 episodes covering different towns all over the world. Tune in to Hometown Ghost Stories live on YouTube every Tuesday night at 9 p.m. Eastern or on any podcast platform and find out if your hometown is haunted. Yeah. To know him is to love him reached number one on the charts and stayed there for weeks. It was actually the biggest selling single in 1958. It's a good song. It's catchy. He, yeah. He, he has very good catchy songs. So that's pretty fast success. Yeah. Very young. Out the gate. Yeah. It sold a million copies. How, how old are they there? Are they like 18 there? Yeah. Yeah. The group split the following year. So the teddy bears went bye-bye. Yeah. In the left eye's bathtub. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> Call back to another episode. Yeah. yeah. In the universe. Annette saw one of his other projects afterwards, mm-hmm. you know, the woman from the teddy bears. Yeah. And she noticed a girl that sounded like her. Yeah. And realized, oh, he doesn't need me anymore. He just uses people. It's just a formula. Yeah. Mm. And that was it for her. Wow. Like she had, you know, she went on to do things, but she wasn't invited to Phil Spector's party. I wonder if it was like uh, the voice cracking that one time. <laughs> what was what did it for her? Maybe for someone like Phil Spector, that's probably how he, he operated. Needs perfection. One crack, like, all right, get out of here. Let's try someone new. Yeah, probably. That brings us to Philly's Records, 1961. He forms this company with partner Lester Sill. Ooh, Chester. The molester. <laughs> Chester the Mo is his nickname. Yeah. <laughs> it wasn't and, very catchy. And that's where they got the name, if you didn't notice. It's P H I L L E S with Lester and Phil. Oh, because ah, there's two Phil's. Hey, yeah. the Philharmonic over here. Yeah. Brilliant. <laughs> Philly cheese dick. Yeah. Philly cheese dick. Whoa. Okay. okay uh, no Harvey Keitel here yet, <laughs> but he is coming up. Get out of here. Yeah. What? Nice. In a convoluted way, but I'll make it happen. <laughs> okay. We'll jam him in here somehow. Just like diminishing or yeah. whatever you say. <laughs> diminutive. 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 Oh, it's so easy to say I now. know when he's not thinking about <laughs> yeah, it. Diminutive. You're like, what's her name? Trying to hit that high note. That's, <laughs> your, that, that's your high note. Diminutive. I cracked under pressure. Yeah. <laughs> that was like when I said vociferous yeah oh yeah i love episode that. one episode one <laughs> way callback yeah phillies signed a group called the crystals they had a couple of hits Ooh. an early single by the crystals was named he hit me and it felt like a kiss oh my god written wow. by carol king it received Pro some woman beating <laughs> yeah it received <laughs> some radio play but also controversy it was big amongst <laughs> like working class drunks yeah, yeah. <laughs> hey you hear that new song yeah. i love it <laughs> so that's an early <laughs> phillies hit yeah a do diddy <laughs> and you know how phil would work like he would bench some people, bring some other people in clearly, like the teddy bears. He yeah. discards them. Well, the manager of the Crystals was getting kind of annoyed. He's like, you need to release a song by the Crystals soon. Yeah. Ooh. And this guy's name is Joe Scandori. 
I've heard of Joe Scandori. And he had mafia ties. Yeah, oh. he was also Don Rickles' uh, manager. Mm. You don't cross Scandori. He, he talks like this. It's Joe Scandori. <laughs> you ever, never heard Rickles do his uh, manager impression? Maybe, yeah. Oh, okay. I'd have to revisit it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and he sent a thug to threaten Spectre. Saying, yeah, you need to release another Crystal single. Is it like your your, your brain, to your, your signature is going to be on this? Is oh, it- yeah. <laughs> and then he tells Spectre, otherwise I'm going to kill your family. I'm going to kill your friends. I'm <laughs> yeah. going to break your arms. Wait, what? Yeah. Yeah, he like, give us a new song. Mm-hmm. He threatened <laughs> to kill people's dogs and shit. Wow. He was like a dog assassin. Well, the mafia was all over the place back then. They yeah. were running the comedy clubs. This- and Yeah. But they're out in L.A. too now at this yeah, point. They're, yeah, yeah. I think that this was one of Sinatra's managers too. I think Skin maybe. Story. Yeah, I just love all these families that have like a horrific beginning where someone gets killed or or something horrible happens, and they just go, "Let's go to L.A. where it's safe." <laughs> yeah, and yeah. Ho- even worse things happen to them. Right? Yeah, it's crazy. The Crystals though did start out in New York City. I should add. Okay. And so that that's actually, where Scandori came from yeah. initially. Yeah, and that actually is a good segue to this next thing because. Phil Spector heard a song he liked written by Gene Pitney called He's a Rebel. Okay. They were about to release a version of that song with somebody else singing. And so then Spector went and recorded his own version with Darlene Love. Yeah, I like, there was a lot more of that going on. Mm. Like, there would be like eight renditions of songs. Yeah, exactly. Because they're all just recording it and trying to get the biggest hit out of it. And once in a while, one of them would be like the standard. Yeah, like yeah. Jimi Hendrix all along the Watchtower, too. That was a, a Bob Dylan song. Yeah. Oh, shit. There's hundreds, you know. And of yeah. course, I can't even think of one They right don't now. do that yeah. much anymore, maybe because there's no more good songs coming out. That, there's <laughs> nothing to cover. Right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah who's going to do the second version of Bump, Bump, Bump? Yeah. Yeah. No, you don't hear someone doing another whap. The die yeah. guys. <laughs> yeah, we should, we should record a whap. Yeah. <laughs> it's a wet-ass podcast. <laughs> Yo, okay. <Hey>. So Spectre <laughs> records He's a Rebel with Darlene Love on vocals, backed by this other girl group called The Blossoms. But what does he do? When he releases it, he attributes the song to The Crystals. So he gave The Crystals another hit. It's just none of the actual Crystals were on it. Uh, Wait, what? (laughs) Yeah. So so did they get paid for it? Well, they got credit for it. Uh, I don't know exactly their financial agreement with So Scandori really shook the, you know, the life out of this guy. He oh, was, yeah. He, Spectre was pretty scared. Yeah. <laughs> and Lala Brooks from The Crystals yeah. says that since that happened with Joe Scandori, he had bodyguards by his side all the time. After that. Yeah, after that incident. Yeah, he was a very weirdly paranoid guy, but I guess he had a legitimate reason. Yeah. If you got Joe Scandori, he's like, I'm going to kill your dog and your grandmother. <laughs> you know, I maybe I'd get bodyguards, too. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to break your knuckles. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he was terrified after that. <laughs> I'm going to cut your toes off. <laughs> I'm going to rub your belly button. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he's like, now it's just getting weird. Yeah, it's, just yeah. weird. it's not even violence anymore. It's kind of <laughs> sexual. All right, I'll make another song, okay? Yeah, yeah just get out of here, Skindor. <laughs> He's a rebel, becomes a huge hit, and the Crystals have to learn how to perform it live because they had nothing to do with it. That's great. <laughs> and at this time, Phil Spector develops what is known as the Wall of Sound. 
Okay, yeah, I've heard of this. And it's a technique he developed at Gold Star Studios in L.A. He used session musicians, the best in the business. And they were known as the Wrecking Crew. Yeah. And basically what the Wall of Sound is, it's pop songs with an orchestral aesthetic. Okay. And it included instruments that aren't usually associated with rock music. I think that's kind of cheating, though. Like violins. You can't get, you, you, you're not getting all that in the live rendition of these songs. You know? Is it cheating? Does it matter, though? I don't know. That's the age-old question. It is the age-old <laughs> question. Then he would use more common rock instruments in an ensemble way. Yeah. For instance... Five guitars playing at the exact same time. That sounds so expensive. Oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. definitely. But it's a fuller sound. Yeah. It's like, pow, it's it like just hits that you. That much coming at you. Yeah. yeah, it's powerful. Yeah. The Ronettes auditioned for him, and they sang Why Do Fools Fall in Love? Originally a hit by Frankie Lyman. Okay. Phil Spector stood up and exclaimed, that's it. That's the sound I've been looking for. So he's literally saying, like, Back to the Future, you know that sound you were talking about? Mm -hmm. Listen to this. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's exactly that moment in the biopic. Oh, really? <laughs> well, in the theoretical biopic. Yeah. Um, we all know the Ronette's signature song. Be My Baby. Be My Baby. It was yeah. released as a single in August 1963, Ooh. recorded with a full orchestra. The band rehearsed for four hours. Well, I bet they rehearse their ass off because they got like this maniac specter with these bodyguards now. Like, you fuck up one thing in this song yeah. and you're dead. You're dead. <laughs> yeah, it's like Stanley Kubrick. Like, let's recite the line a hundred times. Yeah. You it, know, just because. Well, and then he did that over and over to Harvey Keitel, and Harvey Keitel says, I'm fucking out of here. That's right, on Eyes Wide Shut. Eyes <laughs> Wide Shut, yeah. All right, well, there's our first Harvey Keitel. The first, Har first Keitel of the podcast. <laughs> and be my baby, this really showcases the power of the wall of sound technique it has that iconic drum intro that well I, it was iconic in uh, goodfellas that one shot when they go to the copacabana uh, basement in order to go in there you're actually thinking of a different wall of sound song what am i thinking of then he kissed me by the crystals oh really mm -hmm. why did i think then he kissed I, me i literally thought those were the two same songs but i can shoehorn in another Harvey Keitel reference. Let's hear it. <laughs> it was the opening credits of Mean Streets. Ah, Ooh. that's why. Maybe I was confused. Yeah, With our boy, Harvey Keitel. And De Niro. He's like, I'll show you a Mean Street. <laughs> <laughs> I really like this wall of sound. Uh, you know what I'm saying? Hey, Phil, it's a good, uh, good wall of sound, you know? How many musicians do, do this? Pretty good. Can, Pretty you, milk, good. can you milk me? <laughs> Pretty good sound. <laughs> And Good. Scorsese used it without any permission. He just really? put it in the movie. That's how people used to do it. They mm -hmm. used to just run with it and just you know see who sues you. It's and my song now. Phil yeah. Spector was hanging out with John Lennon, and John Lennon said, "Oh, did you see that new movie? They're using your song." Oh, really? He like riles him up. He ran oh. on him. Yeah. What a rat! And then Phil Spector was saying, "Okay, you got to pay me royalties." He was going to take him to court. And then Scorsese's like, ah, it's all right, all right. Um, let, let's work something out. I'll, I'll pay you back later. Like, we'll get something going. Like, please, just, <laughs> the, the movie's already in some film festivals. Like, blah, 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 blah. so he wanted to like stop all airing or like viewings yeah, of the movie because it was used illegally. He had like mm. a like a cease and desist or something yeah. on him. Yeah, what? A and then Lennon said, "I'll let it go, Philly." 
Yeah. He riled him up and then talked him down. Yeah. <laughs> and so then when Imagine the, the, the hangout between these two. What yeah. a fucking weird duo. And Phil Spector was like, so I dropped it and I was basically in control of Scorsese's entire career. Oh my <laughs> because god. Because if I had taken the song out, there would be no mean streets. Just <laughs> Phil Spector. I, I don't know if it's it's accurate or not. The impression that <laughs> I it like is. it. it I, is. I, I, I believe it. I well, like you'll it. hear his voice later. <laughs> I've oh, never really? heard his voice. <laughs> he's, not, he's like constantly out of breath. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I love the impression. <laughs> okay, so back to Be My Baby, the song. Yeah. Ronnie Spector, formerly Veronica Bennett, by the way. Oh. She was not Ronnie Spector yet. I didn't know that. Uh, it's like it's like similar to the Ramones also, who will probably come yeah. up later. Yeah, it, uh, they all none of them were Ramone. Well, did you think they coincidentally had the same last name? I didn't know. As a kid, I'm like, yeah, sure, <laughs> they're all brothers. <laughs> She laid down the vocal track with her signature vibrato. Did I get that word right? Yeah, I think I so. I don't even know that word. And <laughs> Brian Wilson was obsessed with the track and made Don't Worry Baby in response. And I believe he's still obsessed with it to this day. He was a very vociferous fan of a, hey. lot, of a lot of other bands. Like He loved the Beatles and stuff. And, yeah. Yeah. And he would just, I think he probably put together his orchestra um, to like mimic the wall of sound a little bit because they, they would use like, you know, especially on pet sounds, they used like a mm -hmm. huge fucking, uh, you know, set of musicians for that. Yeah, he chased it for years, the sound. Yeah. And he thought like, well, Brian Wilson, that's a whole other story, but he. I, he thought Phil Spector was like bugging his house and he thought <laughs> Phil Spector was like following him and stuff and like. I think these are two like crazy dudes. Oh yeah, <laughs> like the, who th who were both very paranoid that people were stealing their ideas and stuff. <laughs> no, he thought I think he thought Phil Spector was like linking into his brain waves. Oh god, I swear to God that, that I like how two nutcases can make each other nuts. Yeah, and Brian <laughs> Wilson's like on coke and like an acid and stuff, so that's not really helping someone who's already got mental problems. Phil Spector's big thing was drinking. Was he a big drunk? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> He was a small drunk. Yeah, he's a little. Yeah, he was a, he's a little diminutive. Drunk. Drunk. A diminutive drunk. Yeah, like, see, he says it like fucking, like like he's breathing air over here. Yeah. <laughs> Songs written by Phil Spector, Spanish Harlem, made famous by Ben E. King. Good song. Chapel of Love, made famous by the Dixie Cups. Ooh. Oh. Do Ron Ron, and then he kissed me by the Crystals. Baby, I love you. Ronettes. He's on a tear here. Christmas Baby, Please Come Home by Darlene Love and covered by a million artists. Also in Goodfellas. Is it? Yeah. The Copacabana sequence. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm uh, 0 for 1 here. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> or 1 for 2, hopefully. Yeah. But yeah, I, I think when they, they do the Tanza heist and it's around Christmas time. Mm, yeah. Yes. River Deep Mountain High. Ike and Tina Turner. Okay. And incidentally, he was producing the album with Ike and Tina, taking her to the next level. Yeah. Yeah. And Ike was like an asshole. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, they didn't get along, <laughs> yeah. of course. He I said bet. his punches felt like kisses, too. <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, it's like that whoa. one song you produced. I really like that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I feel like that was directed right at me. I live by it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and the last hit I'll mention is You've Lost That Loving Feeling. Oh, God. Feeling. Made famous by Top Gun. Yep. 
Yeah. By the Righteous Brothers. Which is an absurd scene where he just starts singing with a microphone in the middle of this bar and everyone's like on board with it. Yeah. It's a good song. Good song. So Phil is very diversified with his music portfolio. Yeah. That's what we're saying. Albums he produced after his whole Wall of Sound era in the 1960s. Let It Be by the Beatles. Wait, really? Yeah. He did that? You didn't know this? I did not know that. Oh, yeah. Famously. What happened is the Beatles break up. Mm-hmm. They have a bunch of songs left yeah. that they recorded, but it's a big mess. None of them are interested in going through them all. It's like a big like project or movie or something. Someone was writing and just abandoned. It. Yeah. Like, <laughs> OK, let's. Yeah. Let's start with track one. Let's see what we can do. Yeah. And so he so got he it rolled done. up his sleeves and he uh, gets a good record out of it. Yeah. Because they wanted it to have a live sound because there were a couple performances like Get Back on the Rooftop. Yeah. And he pretty much kept it to that. He did add some stuff that Paul McCartney hated, like all the interludes on it. Yeah. And voices. That was all Phil Spector. Like, I dig a pygmy. Y'all really? Yeah. And like the long and winding road. He added his typical orchestral sound. Yeah. With a full orchestra. And that sounds great. McCartney hates it to this day. Really? Yeah. Wow. Because it takes away from his voice or what? Why? He just didn't like the mix. He thought it was too much. Some well, people especially caught... a- after doing, uh, you know, um, the one before that uh, with Strawberry Fields and stuff. Mm-hmm. They, that's pretty much what they were doing there. Maybe it's ego. Yeah, it could have been. How can we really measure what's right or wrong in this scenario? Because the Phil Spector version is yeah. the one we all grew up with. Yeah. So it's hard to say you don't like it. After Let It Be, which we all know was a huge smash, it's the last Beatles record. That, yeah, that's... they performed on the roof after that, and then that was it. Classic. They were Little all done. We're all done, mate. He did All Things Must Pass, George Harrison, one of my personal favorite albums ever. I don't even know that song. I'm sure no, I've heard it. No, it's an album. Oh, okay. But it's also a song on the album. It's the one with My Sweet Lord. Okay. And What Is Life. Yeah, what is life? Also from Goodfellas. I'm just going to list off the, the Goodfellas soundtrack. <laughs> yeah. And then he did Imagine the album with the song Imagine Ooh, by yeah. John Lennon. And he did a bunch of John Lennon and George Harrison stuff in the 70s. Paul yeah. McCartney wanted nothing to do with him, but they liked I wonder the why that is. It, it, like you said, ego thing. And they just, you know, they kind of butted heads and they both maybe played similar roles to the entire band. That makes sense to what you were saying, that Paul McCartney was the workaholic. Yeah. If John Lennon was a little more laissez-faire about things, then Phil Spector is the guy to work with. And I think he, yeah, and I think he just had a better ear. You know, McCartney's fine. I just, I think, <laughs> <laughs> I just think he's all right. You know, yeah. like I, I was exemplified by how good Wings was because that was his entire band. And mm. if you look at Wings, you're like, is this all Paul McCartney has to offer here? I thought you meant the sitcom based on Martha's Vineyard. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Did you know Paul McCartney created Wings, yeah. the sitcom? It's, ba- it's based off the band. Yes. He's like, I think we should get Steven Weber. Yeah. <laughs> He's very funny. And that other guy. Well, who was the other guy? Thomas Hayden Church. Thomas Hayden Church. Or, or Monk. Yeah. yeah. Tony Shalhoub would Shalhoub, be good. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. He's from Wisconsin, by the way. Oh, Ooh. here we go. Tony Shalhoub. Shalhoub. Okay, he also produced Death of a Ladies Man by Leonard Cohen Mm. and his final album, 1980, Mm -hmm. End of the Century by the Ramones. 
around. Oh, not their best album? No, but... Not most, not very memorable. It's no Blitzkrieg, but... No, no. <laughs> I don't know why an English guy is saying that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, is that McCartney still? Yeah. <laughs> sure. Uh, <laughs> I don't remember it that much. I more remember hearing the stories about their interactions, the Ramones and Phil Spector, than I do about the songs. Well, we're going to get into that right now. Okay, let's do it. Let's do it. <laughs> McCartney still genius or madman that is the question the age old question yes, yes. because <laughs> Phil Spector brilliant producer but awful to deal with if you weren't doing a, what he wanted if you weren't at the top of your game yeah if you were kind of fucking around doing drugs and just like wasting his time he probably uh, didn't like that no but he might waste your time too or he just might waste you yeah. Right. <laughs> like he did his dad. I'm not. I don't know. Oh, there's a theory. <laughs> there's a big theory. That's a big theory. <laughs> Darlene Love recalls a time when she saw everybody clearing out of the studio. And when she asked, what's going on? Someone said, Phil's pulling out his gun again. Again? <laughs> so wow. he, he pulled out his gun. He's joking around. And she was like, why is he allowed to do this. Yeah. People are just enabling him. So yeah, like you said, this is where he's getting paranoid. Yeah. Power hungry and becomes fascinated with guns. He could have like a small man's complex too that oh, you know, 100%. He, he's, he's like just to uh equalize, you know, the the playing field when he's like Working up against the the remote, who are crazy dudes. Also, yeah. these, these are not normal people either. None of these people. None are. of these yeah. people. Are. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you got Lennon, Keitel. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> there's no normal people here. There's no regular Joes amongst this crew. Yeah, and he was five foot five. In case you're wondering. Okay. Yeah. So he not grew, a dwarf. And he grew but... up in the Bronx. Who I'm sure he took a lot of beatings down there. Short King is what they call him. Short now. King. Mm, yeah. yeah. There's a little bit better of a connotation to it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, another time when he was with Lennon in the studio, he grabbed the pistol from his hip holster and fired at the ceiling. Yeah. Right near John Lennon's ear. Holy shit. And so then John Lennon's like, if you're going to shoot me, shoot me, but don't take away my hearing. <laughs> oh, my God. Think yeah. that's going to be the closest I'll ever be to a bullet. <laughs> oh, fuck. <laughs> Yoko, I, I almost died today. <laughs> Thank you for, for that concern, Yoko. <laughs> that brief moment of concern. of. Just- <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Oh, that'd be a good song. Do that on stage. Then we're with Chuck Berry, please. Bill, shoot me now so I don't have to listen to Yoko <laughs> and drink a cocoa. <laughs> I, I just imagine Phil Spector in, uh, you know, with the producer board with the guns in his hand, just like changing the gears and stuff and like <laughs> shifting things up and down, but with guns. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, and another time he was chasing Lennon around the studio with the gun. Like, what? Like horseplay. These these poor English kids come out come over here. They got this, this nut 5'5 five five maniac <laughs> from the Bronx, you know, putting guns in their faces left and right. I'm going to get you. <laughs> come on, Johnny boy. And 1977 produces the Leonard Cohen album, Death of a Ladies Man. They spent three drunken weeks together writing songs. Really? Yeah. Sounds like a decent time. And their arguments would turn vicious sometimes. There was one instance where Leonard Cohen was feeling tired. Yeah. So he's like... "Uh." Older guy when he... He got famous like as an older guy. Yeah. And if you've heard Leonard Cohen, it's like, 
Yeah. And hallelujah. Everybody knows you. And so he's like, I'm going to sit this one out. And tomorrow, I think it'll be better. Yeah. And then Phil Spector got his gun out, pointed it right at Cohen's neck and said, no, you're not. Get your butt back in the studio. We're going to lay the track down tonight. You don't just put guns in people's faces. Like, (laughs) this is crazy behavior. Someone asked Leonard Cohen, like, why would you put up with that? And then he's like, there was a certain electricity about it. And I was fascinated by his process. <laughs> process. Yeah, gun to your neck. That's a process. That's such a dumb term when people are just like covering up lunatics. Yeah. Yeah, that, that's when you could get away with that crazy behavior. Yeah. The album flapped. Oh, wow. <laughs> and his fans didn't like it either. Cohen's fans. Mm. Well, it was the same Paul McCartney thing. Same with the remotes. Yeah. They're like it's too Phil Spectorized. Oh, really? You know, they wanted their raw artist. Mm. Everybody knows the dog is digging. (laughs) (laughs) It's all like very sad, like weird stuff. Sounds like he's got the gun down his throat while he's singing. (laughs) (laughs) Debbie Harry came out. Oh, boy. And said. Blonde to yourself. Yeah, she went to his mansion once to discuss a possible collab. Yeah. And she ran off when he pulled out a forty-five automatic and stuck it in her boot. What? Oh, fuck. <laughs> Wait, in her boot? Yeah, I don't know why. That's a weird thing to happen. Well, it's safer than in the throat. Was he sh- was he threatening to shoot her foot off? <laughs> <laughs> to be a fly on the wall yeah, in, with I that meeting. So. And he pulled a revolver on DD Ramon. Yep. This is what I heard when, about. when he wanted to go home for the night and told him, you're not going anywhere, man. And then on another instance, even by the late 90s, he was up to these antics. Joan Rivers told a story. Oh, my God. <laughs> She's like, I'd heard the rumors about him, but I'm like, yeah, sure. I didn't believe him. Yeah, he's pulling guns on everybody. Yeah. Right? yeah. Then she invited him to a party and he ended up pulling a gun out on Walter Cronkite's daughter. Oh, my God. <laughs> so then they had him escorted out. <laughs> I would yeah, hope so. He just so. blows different people's heads off in the party. And Joan's just like, oh, my God, who are you wearing? <laughs> who are you wearing? <laughs> I'm wearing Walter Cronkite's daughter's blood. That's who I'm wearing. Oh my God. What a fucking maniac. I'm wearing gunpowder. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Whose brains are you wearing? <laughs> And that brings us to Phil's chaotic personal life. His first marriage to Annette Merar. So different Annette that was in the initial. Different Annette. Wow, two Annettes. Of the Spectres Three, another group he had produced long ago. Oh, I thought that was his ex wives, the Spectre Three. (laughs) That's the shitting out group. Yeah, Yeah. this was after the Teddy Bear. Yeah, he's just running out of names. True. He got rid of one Annette and went for another Annette. Yeah. Wow. Look out, Annette Benning. Yeah. (laughs) You're next. (laughs) Well, he's dead, but. Yeah. Yeah. Now he needs another Bertha. Dodge that bullet. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, Bertha. If he married a Bertha, that'd be kind of interesting. That'd be be weird. Eventually, Phil started having an affair with Ronnie Bennett. Of the Ronettes. (laughs) Yeah. And divorced Annette in 1966. Ronnie became Mrs. Phil Spector in 1968. Lucky her. 
Mrs. Philip Spectre. Yeah. <laughs> they adopted a son named Dante in 1969. <laughs> like, like the devil? <laughs> they adopted Damien. Yeah. <laughs> and then Beelzebub. Yeah. And get this. He tells Ronnie to pretend she's pregnant so that they'll think that she gave birth to the baby. Oh, oh my God. God. Pretend you're pregnant. <laughs> Your kid's 10. Yeah. <laughs> Later on, he's, he's sur- smoking. Yeah. <laughs> he's like a 48 year old. Woo. Yeah. That guy just came out of me. <laughs> you wouldn't believe it. He's got a receding hairline. Yeah. Hey, daddy. <laughs> he's, he work, he's a shoe salesman. <laughs> you want to buy some shoes? <laughs> Later on, he surprised Ronnie with twins for Christmas, Lewis and Gary. What is he just going out and finding kids and then bringing them back home? And when I say he surprised her, he basically acted like they were bicycles or something. And he put, put them, them under the tree. The, basically. What? Yeah. They're like stocking stuff for kids. What and the Ronnie's fuck? like, oh, okay. I mean, obviously, they're her kids. She loves them. Yeah. But that was a very weird way to present it. No discussion. Yeah. Just a complete shock to her. Yeah, I got what you wanted. She says that the first year was good of the marriage. Yeah, right. I can't imagine. Define good, yeah, with this (laughs) maniac. Yeah, he put the gun away. Now he's just stealing kids. Yeah. Got a lot going on. He didn't shoot me once. (laughs) (laughs) And somehow... With Darlene Love, the Crystals, the Ronettes, they all were fine with what went down in the studio for some reason. They don't have that much bad to say about him as a producer. Yeah. Even though he's a maniac. Yeah. They like the result. Well, yeah. Yeah. Some of the greatest pop songs ever we're at, gun, at gunpoint. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's what gunpoint does. <laughs> yeah. That's what Joe Jackson did to Michael. Yeah. That's true. That's what my dad would always say about the Beach Boys or a lot of these people. Like, you know, they got them working. Yeah. <laughs> like these maniac dads that would like fucking destroy their kids. Yeah. Lives. Say what you say about the years of torment. Yeah. You got them working. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and Michael turned out fine. Yeah. Yeah. He wasn't messed up. Future episode. Yeah, dead. <laughs> yeah. yeah coming in 2023, Michael Jackson. Yeah. Get ready. Don't stop till you get enough. Is he here? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm here. (laughs) I'll see you in 2023. (laughs) Ronnie says that after that first happy year, things were extremely dysfunctional. Her music career stalled because she was held hostage in the mansion for years. Wow. And when I say held hostage, he would lock the doors from the inside. There was barbed wire out on the gate. It's like a horror movie being married to this guy. And when she would run errands... He would make her drive with an inflatable life-size doll in the passenger seat, and it looked like him. So then men wouldn't <laughs> what hit, men wouldn't hit on her, like driving by. <laughs> yeah, that, that's like a Curb Your Enthusiasm episode where he, he wants to go in the uh, carpool the lane. Carpool lane. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Except this is just for so that men don't bother her. Yeah. It probably got more people attracted to her. Like, oh, she's out of her mind. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) She'll date me. (laughs) Look, I was going to hit on you, but I saw your doll and clearly you're married. Yeah, everyone knows it's clearly a fake thing. They're just like, it's crazy. Yeah, it's got its mouth wide open. (laughs) (laughs) Just a sex doll. 
Just put your gun right in there. <laughs> On other occasions, Phil would tie her up and lock her in the closet. Oh, my God. Dante and Gary later alleged that he abused them as well. Dante says he was blindfolded and forced to have simulated sex with his dad's girlfriend. What? And that Phil would call it a learning experience. Wow. Okay, what? Mm-hmm. Something like a house of horrors going on. It is. I, it was probably a nice house, though. Yeah, it's, it's like a my, nice house of horrors. It's my dad creeping in. Yeah. Oh, no, he provide, he's a provider. <laughs> Say what you will about the sexual assault. <laughs> it simulated sex, you know, it, uh, it was on a nice carpet. <laughs> it's kind of like Bob Crane. Remember, he would tell his son about the bimbos he, he was having sex with. He would tell with. his son about uh, everything. I mean, it's not as bad as, you know, having the bimbo go in the room for your son. But yeah. Yeah. It's, there's lines that are being... Blurred. Yeah. Blurred. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> in 1972, Ronnie fled the mansion barefoot and ran away. Why was she barefoot? Because Phil would hide her shoes so she couldn't run away. Oh, my God. This it's is... like it's like sleeping with the enemy with uh, Julia Roberts. Yeah, beyond dysfunctional. Wow. The divorce was finalized in 1974. Also that same year, Phil is injured in a car wreck in Hollywood. And he's almost killed. Oof. Severely injured. God, that would have been the best thing to happen to his family. Yeah. They would probably be like, thank God. Yeah. You sure he's dead? And for him. Oh, it was just a sex doll. <laughs> <laughs> for him, too. His legacy, that would have been the best. Yeah. yeah. Can you imagine? Lana Clarkson would still be alive. Spoiler alert. Yeah. Okay. Can't and... go too far into the episode yet. And those songs and stuff. But he didn't do anything. He did the Ramones after that, but yeah. know, we could live without For the end most of the part, century. Yeah, the some of the his best work was behind him at this uh, time. Abs- Are you kidding me? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was all behind him. Yeah. Yeah. And after the accident, he had extensive head injuries. It caused him to adopt the practice of wearing wigs. <laughs> what? Yeah, because he had fucked up his scalp oh in the car same thing happened to michael jackson after the pepsi commercial yeah they say that's when he started wearing wigs full time and that that happened to joe pesci too on the set of uh um home alone gone fishing they burned the top of his head off Oh shit! They, anyway. Is that real? No, yeah, they didn't. No, they Are you did. Fucking with us? They really yeah. burned his head. You're thinking of the scene in the movie. <laughs> no, it, they really put a blowtorch on his head. It's no. a documentary, Home Alone. You know He's I, like freaking John Hughes, freaking CBS News, December first. Joe Pesci says he got serious burns to his head during making of uh, Home Alone. Wow! Wow! Yeah, that sucks. But it was a big hit. It, yeah, exactly. I'm so sure in my dad's, you know, <laughs> rationale, it was all worth it. Good payday. <laughs> yeah. It led to Home Alone 2, of course. Yeah, of course, the, the classic. <laughs> and, wow. then, and then 3 lost in New York. Yeah, he really did. No, that was 2. That was 2. Yeah. Oh, that was with Trump. Th- yes. Yeah, yeah, 3 is the one without Macaulay or Joe Pesci. Yeah, Back to yeah. the Minors. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Electric Boogaloo. Yeah. <laughs> Joe Pesci reveals... Home Alone 2 fire hat prank went wrong. I sustained serious burns to the top of my head. Told you. By Variety. Yeah, but he didn't wear like ha- hair pieces. No, he does wear hair pieces, actually. He but might. was it in the blowtorch scene? 
It must have been. That was the only time that he got yeah. yeah. Could you imagine if it was another scene? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's like, well, I, I did well in the blowtorch Yeah, sequence. when they were just staking out the place before it all goes down. Yeah. It's it's the scene where he just walks into the house at the beginning pretending to be the cop. Yeah. yeah. Somehow the lights <laughs> burned his head. <laughs> well, that was a, a great Christmas fact. Yeah. In our Christmas episode. You're mm-hmm. welcome. So he becomes a recluse after the accident. And here's a clip from a documentary called All You Need Is Love that he filmed around this time. Let's see it. Aren't you lonely in this big house? Must be very lonely. Oh, geez. All them rooms to roam around in. Like a one-man show. Damn, it must be lonely. Damn. He looks like a, like a British judge or something. With that. <laughs> you know what I say? Stupid powdered wig. I yeah. Say, you ever live in one room? Very lonely. <laughs> it's like Howard Hughes. <laughs> Just you in the bathroom. <laughs> okay. I don't you see what his sink, kids were talking about. Toilet. Yeah. Loneliness is a state of mind. <laughs> He seems pretty well adjusted to beware me. The, beware of that guy. <laughs> <laughs> He's a sanitary dog, whatever it said there. You ever make your child have sex with a girlfriend? <laughs> that, that, this reminds me. Remember Conan would do uh, celebrity secrets? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you ever lock your wife in the closet? <laughs> yeah. You ever make your wife ride around with a sex doll that's dressed just like you? So. Ever put a gun in Deborah Harry's boot? <laughs> oh, and remember when Conan would do the inappropriate? Yeah, thing? yeah, yeah. Inappropriate, inappropriate. <laughs> you could say this about a lot of his antics. Yeah, <laughs> what the fuck is he doing in that house? <laughs> you saw it going I will, insane. I will say though, good shot with the uh, with the billiard table. Yeah, there. yeah, well done. Well, he's a perfectionist. In, in even going completely insane, he's a perfectionist in that. Thing. You can make good art while being. A lunatic. Yeah. yeah. Look at Lars von Trier. I mean, this is exactly what happened to everybody during the pandemic, though. Like, we all became that. Yeah, we were yeah. that. <laughs> Some version of that. Yeah. Ever be in the bathroom lonely? <laughs> we should lip sync that sometime. Yeah, we should do a reenactment. Yeah, a recreation. Yeah. <laughs> Phil, as you could tell, lonely guy. He didn't like when people left him. He said it would change the chemistry. Well, like, what do you mean? People like his like brain chemistry. People he was dating, or just like all of the above. Oh, really? Even if you're just hanging out with him, it yeah. would change the chemistry of the room if you left. Like, if you got up and left right now, yeah, you'd be changing the chemistry. Okay, and that's not okay. What a weird guy. So you got to catch a bullet now. I know. Yeah, and even in that last clip from the documentary, he reportedly asked the film crew to stay a little longer and hang out. Do you need any so more like shots? A, he's like a lonely guy. Really. He's like Brian Cranston in the second last episode of Breaking Bad. Okay. Where he's trying to get Robert Forrester to stay longer with him and play cards when yeah, he's yeah. hiding out. Yeah. This is what Phil Spector's life is like. Yeah. yeah. Extreme codependence. Yes. It turned from sad to sinister when he would occasionally lock people inside the mansion, <laughs> making the act of exiting... A difficult endeavor. That's like a Bronx tale. He's like, now you can't leave. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he was weird like that. He would even do it to friends. Lock them inside. That's insane. 
My if, friend, I can't wait till my company leaves most of the time. I know. <laughs> like, uh, are they leaving already? Yeah, they've been there 15 minutes. Yeah. I have a reverse lock on my door. Yeah. <laughs> Get me out of here. I know. It's just crazy. Yeah. Uh, the death of John Lennon in 1980 hit him very hard. Perhaps that's why he retreated from the limelight for good. Yeah. And he yeah, was probably with that. He was like, I could have killed him. Yeah. I should have been the one. <laughs> right. That should have been my bullet. <laughs> He's jealous of Chapman. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> my, How dare you overshadow me? Yeah. yeah. My friend, my murder. Okay. <laughs> like he did his dad. You well, know, upstage me. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Who hasn't read Catcher in the Rye? Yeah. Um, I'm surprised he wasn't into Catcher in the Rye. Remember when we talked about all the lunatics are into it for some reason? Yeah. yeah. New Yorker also, surprisingly. I think he's just like, because uh, he's so out there. Right. Even that's too, it's not enough for him. And rumors started to spread around town that he had gone insane. Gone? <laughs> just starting. Gone, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Manic depression? Was he bipolar? His sister Shirley suffered from mental illness later oh, really? in her life. Yeah. It's a family affair. How about Bertha? Was she okay? Well, not really. I mean, her husband killed himself. Yeah. And she's got these crazy kids. Yeah. yeah. And they would fight all the time, which is why he left so early to start the teddy bears. Yeah. Imagine how bad that house had to be in order for him to leave because he doesn't want to leave anyone ever. Annette from the teddy bears actually remembers how badly they would fight. She said it was vicious. You couldn't be around it. It sounds awful. It sounds like the worst house ever. Yeah, and then he just continued that dynamic yeah. as he went through life. And Matt, you ever have those kids, you went to their houses, and you're like, this is fucking, this is rough. Yeah. I yeah. hate this place. I'm out of here. <laughs> oh, yeah. I would yeah. have a friend, every time I would go over his place, he would fight his dad in yeah. the living room and just knock everything over, and I'm just like, why am I here? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, what's going on? Am I supposed to fight the dad next? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I got winner here. Yeah. <laughs> Kyle, get over here. Yeah. And then his mom would just be like, get the fuck out of here, all of you. <laughs> oh, like, yeah. Why am I involved in this? Yeah. <laughs> Did that ever happen? Yeah, where one of the parents would get unreasonably mad oh. while you were there. All yeah. the time. And it would be so frightening. Yeah, all yeah. the time. My, my friend, uh, him and his brother were fighting and he threw a fork at the brother, and it's stuck in the brother's <laughs> leg. <laughs> well, that sounds kind of funny. It was kind of fu funny, yeah. The brother, was a, he was a bigger guy, so he could wow. he could sustain it. But it was just like, this is like, yeah, one of those things. What the fuck am I doing there? <laughs> yeah, it's like, Cletus, get over here. <laughs> yeah. You didn't change the laundry. Yeah. yeah, like, can't you save these insane family fights until after I leave? Should, yeah. yeah, should I Go or... which I which should be now. Yeah. <laughs> and they look at you. What do you want for dinner? Yeah. <laughs> Why aren't you staying for dinner? Yeah. What, what, what the fuck? Sit down. Stick around. <laughs> yeah, sit down. We're locking the door from the inside. Yeah. We have a chef boy ID. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The dinner sucks. Like <laughs> it's not even a good. The dinner. company sucks. The dinner. Sucks. It was rarely a good dinner when you had to stay for dinner. Yeah. It's like yeah. hot dogs and beans or something. <laughs> Am I right? Yeah. yeah. Am I right here? In 1989, he was inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. But Phil Spector made a scene with his bodyguards and rambled about George Bush during his speech. Pro or against? 
<laughs> this aggression will not stand, yeah. man. Who Wait, can tell? And he pushed Darlene Love out of the way. Oh, nice. George W. Bush, he was, called, he was talking about? Bush Senior. Yeah. Oh, of H-W. course. This is yeah. 1989. Oh, I thought you said 1999. I'm no, sorry. 89. Yeah. No. In 1982, he had twins with his girlfriend, Janice Savala. Nicole and Phil Jr. were the twins. So like actual kids. Actual kids. Yeah, he didn't just go and no. find them and then bring them home I'm somehow. I'm stealing <laughs> from a Kroger parking lot. Yeah. <laughs> the, other, the other kids are out of the picture by this point. So he, he moved on from the kids. Well, they clearly hated him. Yeah, yeah well, the guy was 48, so like, you know. Better for everybody. <laughs> yeah. You guys leave me, I'll replace you. <laughs> yeah. They relocated. Yeah, like uh, Valerie. Yes, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they relocated from Beverly Hills to the Pasadena area. Nice area. Tragedy struck in 1991 when Phil Jr., one half of the twins, died of leukemia. Oh, man. Oof. That's rough. And the relationship fizzled after that with Janice, his mm. girlfriend. But she would continue to work for him. What? Yeah. Doing what? I don't know. Like administrative stuff. Administrative like, work. Like, stapling papers. <laughs> picking up this, picking up that. Yeah, because at this point he's not really working that much. He's anymore. not. Yeah. There's a lot of false starts. He's just living off of royalties and just mm-hmm. kind of living off his wealth. He was trying to do something with Celine Dion. Oh man. In the mid nineties and that what, did not what work a collaboration out. Yeah. That yeah. Resulted he, in nothing. <laughs> he put a gun to her uh, arm or something. <laughs> yeah. And he didn't get along with Renee. Oh, yeah. yeah. Her husband. That's a very strong minded person. Yeah. Maybe Renee's like, he's gambling every night. <laughs> She's like, go see what Renee thinks. <laughs> <laughs> Renee don't like the gun. <laughs> <laughs> Renee told me to tell you. <laughs> Renee does not like the guns and stuff. He, he lost very bad at Blackjack last night. And it's, it's really making things worse. Half our fortune. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He gambled all the money away. Yeah. Poor Renee. Rest wow. in peace. Jeez. Yeah. Maybe he's playing a poker game in the sky right now <laughs> yeah. with Phil Spector. And he's losing badly. <laughs> uh, for Phil, life became kind of a living hell after his son died. He just wasn't motivated to do anything, as he already wasn't, really. Yeah, that'll do it. Apparently, though, he was trying to do the family thing. Yeah. For what it's worth. Yeah. Making his son have sex with his girlfriends. No. Family fun in the sun. Nicole, (laughs) Nicole, the surviving twin, she seems to really love her dad. Really? She's She's, like the one person speaking on it. Yeah, she speaks in the Showtime documentary, and she Uh, says that it was all normal when she grew up. She had what she considered a normal dad and loved him. So That's good. Yeah, she and she seems to have turned out well. Yeah, wow, surprised. Against all odds, I guess. Yeah, Yeah. so I don't know. Maybe he had a momentary normal he came down to earth for one moment yeah exactly normal yeah <laughs> is that depicted in the uh the pacino uh version of phil Spector? no but we'll get to that Ooh, i love this one kid Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> you're my favorite twin because <laughs> you didn't die you didn't die <laughs> you're stronger you almost make me want to put a gun in your boot Ooh. <laughs> Yeah, These boots ah. are made for walking. Pow! <laughs> Whoa! These boots are made for shooting. <laughs> Ever held a gun? <laughs> Woo! Yeah! Ah! Ooh! <laughs> <laughs> he just—that's the entire movie. Just that. Yeah. Ah! Ooh! 
I'd pay good money for that. <laughs> yeah. It's, <laughs> it's a caricature, but it's Al Pacino, really. Yeah. <laughs> More than it is Phil Spector. In 1998, Phil Spector bought a replica of an 18th century Pyrenean chateau in Alhambra. Okay. Where the fuck is... Oh, that's... that's near Pasadena. That's near yeah. Pasadena, yeah. It's a sprawling 33-room mansion with 88 steps leading up to the front driveway. 88? Like, like, like a piano key? Yes, you oh, got it! wow. Corny. <laughs> that's <laughs> way too long many steps. The long and winding steps. He probably yeah. paid so much money for that <laughs> bullshit, too. Oh, he it, probably stiffed some contractors. It was contractors. like a million. I, actually, I'm surprised it was so cheap. If they made sounds and Tom Hanks danced on it, then I'd see it. But other than that, fuck those steps. Well, oh, wow. It's not too late. You're just Couldn't saying you, buy like, it. you like big. I movie. love big. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> that's a long way, way, way to go around. It's another child that has sex with a grown woman. That's true. <laughs> she, she wasn't that shocked enough to find no. out she was fucking a kid. A 12-year-old. Yeah. Wait, who? <laughs> In the movie Big. Oh, right. yeah. No. I thought you were talking about... Because he gets out of the car and then all of a sudden... Yeah, Argento. His, his clothes are too big for him. Yeah. He's like, whoa, all right. Well, that's a thing that happens. Yeah. I was fucking that kid. Ashia Argento's like, what's wrong with that? Yeah. Oh, it's better now. See, yeah, they, they normalized it. So we can do it now. <laughs> so, yeah, he moves the family there. He's basically raising his daughter there. And he says that she inspired him to be a better person. Oh, that so it must have stuck. He wow. stopped drinking in 1997 Smart. and remained sober until around 2002. Ooh, we had a little oh, what relapse. Happened? <laughs> yeah, a little relapse. You know, everything was fine though. In January 2003, he gave his first interview in 25 years to Mick Brown for the Daily Telegraph. "Quote." I take medication for schizophrenia, but I wouldn't say I'm schizophrenic. But I have a bipolar personality, which is strange. I'm my own worst enemy. I have devils inside that fight me. I have not been well. I wasn't insane, but I wasn't well enough to function as a regular part of society. So I chose not. I End quote. I disagree about the insane part. The article was published on February 1st, 2003, with the headline... Found Pops Lost Genius. That's not a great quote to put out two days before you murder somebody. Yeah. <laughs> Who knew that <laughs> well, was going to well, happen? What is the right one, though? Like, yeah. <laughs> like, you know, the, imagine you go to a P PR firm like, yeah. I'm trying to find out the best quote to use before I murdered someone. I did not kill him. <laughs> Ooh, I didn't do it, okay? <laughs> if I know Pacino, I'm crazy. Al Pacino played one of the robots yeah. I robot. <laughs> I did not kill him. Ooh, Ooh. Ooh. I didn't do it. <laughs> I did not do it. <laughs> <laughs> then he smacks Will Smith. <laughs> <laughs> That's for uh, Chris Rock. <laughs> That's for future crimes. <laughs> Whoa. Yeah. Whoa, my notary report's here, too. <laughs> and Colin Farrell. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Who stars in the movie that's currently numbered? Like an Al Pacino, one. Al Pacino one man show where he's just riffing on just random topics and <laughs> future stuff. things. Yeah, future <laughs> things. <laughs> so I was thinking we could take a break from Phil Spector for a moment. Okay, to talk about what? Lana Clarkson. Who's this? She is an actress and model. Ooh. She was born on April 5th, 1962 in Long Beach, California. The LBC. Yep. 
Snoop Dogg and Cameron Diaz's stomping grounds. That's right. They went to high school together. They did. Yeah. Did they so really? Weird. Yes. She sold no. Her, yes. He sold her weed or the other yeah. way around or something. Yeah, yeah. He sold her weed. She sold him weed. <laughs> you never know. <laughs> That'd be badass. Yeah. <laughs> That's how he started. Yeah. <laughs> she taught him how to rap. Yeah, they were both Crips together. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So Lana, she's a six foot tall blonde, striking actress. She just towers over him. Yeah. Oh yeah. well. Anyone does. Yeah, anyone does. <laughs> so did Leonard Cohen. Yeah. So did Dee Dee Ramone. Now when he's got those guns out, he's seven feet tall. When I right. climb you like a mountain. <laughs> <laughs> Who was that? <laughs> Phil Spector. Oh, okay. I thought that was Lois Griffin for a second. <laughs> Peter, <laughs> I want to climb you like a mountain. <laughs> she launched her acting career in the early 1980s with a role as Mrs. Vargas in Fast Times oh, at Ridgemount Spicoli. High. Oh, okay. TV show bit parts include Three's Company, Who's the Boss, Love Knight it. Rider, Love it. and Night Court. Ooh. My favorite, Night Court. Movies that Lana appeared in. Brainstorm? Does that sound familiar? Not really. Yes. What what movie is that? Is that a John Landis movie? It's a 1983 film with Christopher Walken and Natalie Wood. Oh, yes. That's where they kind of were hanging out together. That's right. I like this movie. I'm going to kill you. (laughs) You, You're going to (laughs) die at my hands. (laughs) She... She, um... I'm going to throw you off the boat. <laughs> Get off the boat. <laughs> she appeared in Scarface. What part did she play in that? I think in the Babylon Club. Oh, okay. Maybe some random girl that Stephen Bauer was going after or something? Well, imagine the movie. All you can picture is Al Pacino with a chainsaw. Uh, yes. Then a bunch of like fluorescent bikinis. Yeah. She was one of the one of the bikinis. Yeah. yeah, she wasn't the chainsaw. No, <laughs> she was the bikini. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> By the way, Scarface. Think of the irony there. Cockroach. Al Pacino played Phil Spector in a movie. Oh yeah. Yep. That's true. She also made an appearance in Amazon Women on the Moon, Ooh. directed by John Landis. Sounds oh. promising. All, all the connections. There's a lot of connections. The die connections are being made here. Later on, one of her last credits in 2001 was in the James Dean TV movie with James Franco. And who did she play in that? Who? Jane Mansfield. Really? Your power to the daughter. Kyle, Jane Mansfield. Yes. We're Jane making Mansfield. connections here. We are. So she must have been, you know, a pretty good-looking person to yes. be able to play Jen Mansfield. But her most prosperous Hollywood collaboration was with Roger Corman, the one and only. Yeah. In a series of movies, including Deathstalker and the Barbarian Queen movies, which inspired the series Xena Warrior Princess. Oh. Did you know James Cameron uh, came up <laughs> under his tutelage? A lot of people did. So did Jack Scorsese. Nicholson, Jack Nicholson also. Yeah. He came up under Kevin Sorbo's uh, tutelage. Yeah. <laughs> what I was mean, Lucy Lawless. Yeah. What was that Kevin Sorbo moment where he's like trying to read lines? He's reading stage direction. He's like, act scared. He thinks it's his line. <laughs> I don't remember. <laughs> That's hilarious. I have to find that. <laughs> so here we have the trailer for one of the Barbarian Queen movies. Yeah. Trust your power to the daughter of such who held it in another time. 
trust to me what no man can touch? Whoa! Without the blessing of womankind. In 48 hours, there won't be a rebel left alive. Okay, means that we shit. That's will her? win! Bursting with emphatic intensity, exploding Gorgeous. with fanatic force, nothing could tame this blonde cyclone and her band of ravishing warriors. Ravishing warriors. Lana Clarkson, as you've never seen her before. <laughs> or again. Or again. Barbarian Queen 2, the Empress Strikes Back. This looks like a Monty Python movie or something. She's gorgeous. Yeah. Yeah. And Roger Corman movies, you know, they're fun. It's kind of like trauma. Yeah. Yeah. But less violent. It's Love low budget, trauma. you know, kind of ridiculous. Attack of the Killer Tomato. And tomatoes. Which yeah. I just found out the main guy from that, uh, the guy who also originally played Gomez Adams, is Sean Astin's dad. John Astin. Yeah. Yeah. I had no idea. That's Rudy's dad this whole time. Yeah. I had no idea. Did that mind is, blowing. Did that Why take is, you out of it? Yeah, it, it makes no sense to me. They Why? look nothing alike. It makes, no, it makes no sense that in Hollywood there's nepotism yeah, going well, on. Yeah, yeah, brand yeah. new to you. Yeah. But I didn't know Sean Astin was like a legacy guy. Yeah. <laughs> Weird. How how else do you think they jammed him in these movies? And you think Who he's knows? just off pure talent? Yeah. <laughs> I actually have one that will blow your mind. <sighs> I'm ready for it. Robert Downey Jr. is the son of Robert Downey Sr. <laughs> Get out of here! <laughs> Her career started to stall in the 1990s. Because she made the mistake of getting a little older in Hollywood. Oh, yeah, that's big mistake. Unforgivable. Unfortunately. The wall is undefeated. <laughs> the wall of yeah. sound. The wall, the wall Beauty. Of sound. <laughs> wall of shame. She started to do more voiceover work and commercials. And she wanted to pivot towards stand-up comedy. Oh, that's where people always fail to. Get some yucks. Yeah. She made a tape. <laughs> Get some yucks. <laughs> she she made a tape, and I you know I saw some of it, and she was she had a nice delivery, but it was more like a one woman show though, yeah. making fun of her bimbo persona and yeah. all that. I think it worked. I don't know apart from the one woman show aspect how she would have fared, you know, at In Chuckles and Poughkeepsie or Ha Ha Cafe in North Hollywood. Yeah, <laughs> she wasn't a dummy. Yeah. She knew she's not going to get the same role as, you know, the bikini and Scarface forever. The clock's ticking. She's mm -hmm. needs to do, make a pivot in her career. And she made a website with a message board early on. Really? She which was like is pretty to the internet. innovative. Yeah. Yeah. This is like 98, 99 or something. Yeah. Yeah. And she invested in Amazon. <laughs> oh, <Wow>. yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and she came up with the Facebook. Yeah. Who needs. Any roles after that? She bet on the Yankees winning the 1999 uh, World Series. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Marty gave her the book. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. She regularly volunteered for the AIDS charity project Angel Food, even when it wasn't so trendy. I heard of Angel Food. I, I was going to actually volunteer there, but I just never showed up. You said that out loud? <laughs> <laughs> You're proud of this? No. I felt very bad about it, but I was working and I just couldn't do it. Well, she showed up. Okay. okay. I don't mean to do a laundry list of all her accomplishments, but yeah. it must be known. She was a very nice lady. She was a kind person. Yes. And multifaceted. She was savvy. Yeah. And I think she's she, always hustling. I think she would have become more known with mm -hmm. some, some role. Yeah. Someone would have given it to her. 
like a good like uh sitcom or something yeah she, exactly she got, like, oh a long she'd be perfect yeah, yeah. yeah i think she would be just like fine. a spin city or something yeah. like that yeah. yeah but even later like in the 2000s yeah yeah because in the 90s she's still struggling i think because it was she was still doing roger corman movies just like what happened to more famous people pamela anderson yeah, she tries to audition for L.A. Confidential, oh my God. and is laughed out of the room because mm. they just see her as Baywatch. Well, that that I I found that out in the Pam and Tommy show. I yeah. don't know if you heard. Oh, that's from what, that. of course. Yeah, yeah, and I was like kind of shocked that she thought she was going to get the Kim Basinger role in uh, in Whoa. L.A. Confidential, but. And she was so let down. I'm like, did you really think you were going to get that? Or maybe she could have. I don't know. Yeah, well, now I don't know if it's because of uh, Heath Ledger and Kevin Nolan's uh, version of Batman, The Dark Knight. But like now I feel like... Nolan. Uh, who did I say? Kevin. Kevin Nolan? <laughs> Kevin Nealon. Kevin Nealon, Kevin yeah. Nealon. <laughs> uh, More like Kevin Nolan. Yeah. Nolan. No, thank uh, you. Now I feel like what do they call it like stunt casting before now i feel like people actually want to convert like comedians into good actors mm-hmm. or like they want to mix it up now it yes seems like yeah. yeah maybe i don't know mark maron was in joker in like a couple other things so, yeah sam yeah. morell too yeah but for some reason when there's a beautiful blonde who's tall people have trouble accepting them as anything else yeah, yeah. even the, if they're good the industry can be very cruel to people yeah. like that in 2001, she produced a tape called Lana Unleashed, and she made it to promote herself. She played different characters, like a talking Barbie doll, a Las Vegas showgirl, and even Little Richard. <laughs> whoa, whoa. She didn't do the blackface, did you? Well, I was going to pull out the clip later, but we could oh, do it. No, now, now, now. we got to talk okay. about it now. Because they played it during the trial. Oh, my God. I thought you were going to say they played at her funeral. Oh, my God. I see the video. <laughs> wait a second. Wait, wait. Which side played at the trial? Phil's? Of course. Yeah. Oh, oh my. This is terrifying, dude. Wait, can we see it? Yeah, one second. Sorry. I'm trying to get it queued up. Oh, my Lord. <laughs> I already feel nervous about this. Uh, I do, too. You should be. I don't know why, but I feel unsettled. This is, okay. This is very unnerving. Oh my god. I'm the originator. And I'm so proud to be with y'all here on the Home Shopping Network to present to you my latest contribution to the world of unity. Now let's get down to the nitty-gritty, ladies. I am not one to talk with y'all on any little hair and cosmetic technique. Now as y'all know, I am the king of rock and roll, the innovator, the emancipator, the originator. Is it because oh the prices were so high? That's why. Yeah. That's why she got. Uh, she got in trouble for that. <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh, oh, you want to do it again, Kyle? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Play that at the end of the podcast. The, the, the sign off there. <laughs> Jesus know, Christ! Uh, it wasn't as frowned upon then. Even it though wasn't. bamboozled came out a year earlier. Yeah, but. <laughs> it, it, that was like a response probably to that video. Bamboozled All right. So the, I guess what that shows is, you know, she she was all over the place. Some people don't know that, you know, they. I think they know racism exists, but they don't know 
how racist they're being in scenarios like that. Yeah, I mean, I'll give her credit. She went for it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, she's doing it to an She's 11. hustling. Yeah, she went for something. You know what? Attention to detail. I did notice there. What? She wasn't just doing black face. She was doing black hand also. Oh it, yeah, yeah. The the coloring was on her hand also. I'm like Jesus <laughs> Christ, man. Christ. <laughs> uh, yeah. It's called commitment to the bit, people. Yeah. Hey, I'm Little Richard. <laughs> Oh my god! <laughs> oh, what, <bye>, ba <laughs> Oh my god! I wonder how many ta- takes that took too to get that down. That is going to be in my nightmares. I know. Yeah. It's she really is going for it. <laughs> yeah, that, was I like that, how that's the one thing that's going to be in your nightmares so far. Yeah, <laughs> not Phil Spector. Now, no. yeah, or the gun in the booth. Was, was that like her SNL audition take? Exactly. <laughs> like she she wanted to do something like SNL, real or like yeah. Mad TV or something. Yeah, yeah. Anything. And so imagine Quincy Jones watching that for Mad TV. (laughs) A bunch of characters. And she thought, okay, this shows what I can do. Yeah. And clearly she didn't have a filter. Mm. You know, obviously not. Well, and also no one's there telling her maybe this is not the best idea. (laughs) Jimmy Fallon's like, yeah, it's okay. Just do it. (laughs) (laughs) I got my own coming. Yeah. Christmas Eve 2001, she's at a party, and she's Irish dancing with her friends, doing an Irish jig in six-inch stiletto heels. Ooh, she's going for it again. (laughs) I couldn't see Michael Flatley doing that in heels. She slips on a rug and breaks both her wrists during the dance. Oh, my God. Yeah, because she tried to put her hands down, but the black paint was still on them, and they just slipped. Jesus. (laughs) Snap, snap. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> the the Irish jig whoop. accident. Yeah, she's trying to do it in bla- blackface, and someone pushes her. <laughs> <laughs> That's probably Little Richard or something. Like that. <laughs> <laughs> She sends her tape to Little Richard. Oh my God! And she gets arrested. Yeah, <laughs> you're you're gonna love this impression I do of you. Yeah, <laughs> Jesus. It blows Billy Crystal's Sammy Davis out of the water. Oh my God! <laughs> I didn't even think of that. Jeez. So Lana was out of commission for the better part of nine months. Yeah, that that's a hard thing to come back from. Like you need a lot of help. If you break both of your wrists. Yeah, she couldn't even hold the phone. Yeah. And this is right after, you know, for better or worse, she made that tape. Yeah. And she's shopping it around. (laughs) (laughs) Now, do the guys at CAA popping that in and watching it. (laughs) They're like, we got to hire her. I mean, yeah, that becomes like a story that people. Oh, Oh, boy. Here we go. That's Billy Crystal (laughs) and Sammy Davis. Oh, I thought that was Lana. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, what is going on in this world? Hi, babe. (laughs) (laughs) After recovering. From the wrist breaking. Yeah. Double she's, wrist break. She's excited to get back in the game. Yeah. But she's set back because mm. she lost almost a year. Yeah. You know, her little Richard's out of date now. It's not relevant anymore. Yeah. <laughs> it wasn't great to begin with or or good. Or relevant then. <laughs> yeah. Relevant then. <laughs> what she does is she takes a job at the House of Blues on the Sunset Strip as a hostess. 
January 2003. Wow. Oh, man. That's a fall from grace. <laughs> <laughs> don't judge i'm not judging but it is it's you know yeah it's a it's a step <laughs> that was uh, our me and in kyle, another direction me and kyle's guttural reaction was like oh jesus <laughs> they say it was strategic because then she would be in front of the industry's top well you got the comedy store right across the yeah street exactly there. she really believed that really oh, that God. she was it was gonna <laughs> kyle hold your kyle oh, can't take reactions for yeah. a second <laughs> Kyle's reacting more than when he saw the the blackface thing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, she really yeah. Anyway, she had hope that she would meet the right person and yeah. they would be enamored by her. It's just like saying like, oh, I'm going to be a janitor at Rockefeller Center at and Google. hope that <laughs> SNL cast me as yeah. like a, the next guy. It's yeah. Like, no, it's not. It just it's not how it works. It's not how it's going to happen. It's not ever how it's going to happen. Yeah. Ugh. It's either you got like talent right out the gate or people going to react to her tape or something or that's it yeah so i feel bad i, I just know too many people that have come up concocted uh situations like, like schemes this. like yeah this is like flawless yeah, yeah and they think it's gonna be the next big thing and it's it's sad like a good networking possibility yeah. option i'm gonna clean the porta bodies at the laugh factory yeah yeah <laughs> unfortunately yeah people i mean people Worked at the the Hollywood Improv, thinking it's going to lead to uh, them being, you know, yeah, discovered, and it's just like you're pretty much doing that, cleaning the. Yeah, what are you doing over the at the bathroom? Improv? I'm a uh, snake and drains over here. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm their house plumber right now. Yeah, and her wrists are finally feeling better. Like, I yeah. feel great. <laughs> <laughs> Anybody want to cast me in anything? <laughs> Sorry, For I listeners who can't good. see, <laughs> Kyle's doing a hilarious <laughs> bent wrist <laughs> impression. I'm, no, I'm good. How are you? <laughs> that brings us to February 2nd, 2003. Ooh. Day that will live in infamy. The article in the Daily Telegraph had just come out. Remember the title? It said, Pops Lost Genius. Yeah. Phil's got a little pep in his step. Even though it says he's lost. (laughs) (laughs) We found him. Yeah, we found him. Exactly. The murderer. Janice, his ex-girlfriend, had stopped working for him recently. And so he was a little lonelier than usual. Yeah. He had emerged from seclusion and had been going out more often. Yeah. By this point. Remember, he started drinking again. The year before. Yeah. Also recently. I'm assuming maybe some of these places he's going to, he's just going alone to like a restaurant. No. He has a longtime friend, Rami Davis, and they went to high school together. Oh, okay. And so he and Rami had been going out to dinner that weekend, all three nights. Jeez. And now it's Sunday. I bet you Rami's getting kind of tired of him. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so this is their third night going out to dinner. Yeah. They're doing it again. Oh, jeez. They're doing it again. <laughs> They're back. We're doing it. Seinfeld's the uh, maitre d'. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Around 7 p.m., Phil leaves his castle in a fancy Mercedes limo driven by Adriano de Sousa. Ooh, who's that? He's his limo driver. That's his guy. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I thought I thought that was like another former famous like person. Yeah. There's like yeah. 
Like a tenor or something, or yeah, like a singer that just fall from grace. Andrea Bocelli. Yeah. <laughs> they pick up Rami in Studio City, and then they go to the Grill on the Alley in Beverly Hills. Oh, okay. For dinner. Spectre talks to waitress Kathy Sullivan and tells her that he's going to take her out later that night. So if you're keeping up with me, he's with Rami Davis having dinner. But he's hitting on the waitress now. Yes. Because Rami's just a platonic friend. Yeah. What a scumbag. <laughs> and Spectre orders two daiquiris. It's not known if he finished them both. And Rami says that he was acting strange and she hadn't seen him drink in the five months since they had been reacquainted. Yeah. You know how crazy Phil gets off of daiquiris. Yeah. <laughs> I assume he finished at least one of them, because why would he order a second one? Just like put it next to this other filled one that I haven't (laughs) even touched. It was mainly the mixing of booze and pills that made her concerned. Oh, Uh, no, that's always a telltale sign. That's not a good thing. Around 10 p.m., Spectre drops Rami off at home. So Spectre's driving. Well, no. Yeah, he drove the the limo driver home. Yeah, yeah. Adriano. (laughs) Adriano, yeah, of course. Kathy and Phil go to Trader Vic's to keep the night going. Not Trader Joe's. No, Trader Vic's. Trader Vic's. Yeah, that's a bar. Oh, okay. Is that still still going? Yeah. Oh, wow. Mm. And then... We should head the down tour. there. That's top of the tour. <laughs> he orders a Navy Grog, which is a strong rum drink. That sounds like such an old like country club drink. And apparently it's like two drinks in one. Yeah, like a Long Island iced tea. It's just a mess. Afterwards, Kathy, the waitress, drops her car off at home, and they continue on to Dantana's. That's a very famous L.A. spot. At about 1 a.m. Apparently, Phil had been going there since the 60s. Yeah, I can imagine. And then he drinks another Navy grog. (laughs) (laughs) If I was a bartender and some old guy says, give me a Navy grog. Give me the grog. I'd probably punch him in the face. (laughs) Get out of here. Around 2 a.m., they decide to go to the House of Blues. But Lana Clarkson stops him at the door. And he pulls a, don't you know who I am? And she responds, no, ma'am, I don't. (laughs) Good. Lana thought he was a woman because he was wearing a long wig and had a feminine jacket. Oh, yeah. A white jacket. He must have looked insane. If you saw some maniac come in look like, like that, I'd call the cops. The manager steps in and tells Lana to treat Phil as if he's royalty because that's Phil Spector. Yeah. He tells her, treat him like he's Dan Aykroyd because Dan Aykroyd was co-owner of the House of Blues. Oh, okay. could you imagine you someone telling you to treat someone like they're Dan Aykroyd <laughs> yeah. as if it wasn't already bad enough for her? Yeah. yeah. Some now crazy she's... conspiracy, th- some ghost conspiracy theorist maniac. Yeah. <laughs> now she's forced to treat Phil Spector. Yeah. Like he's fucking Aykroyd. Like Dan Aykroyd. They get seated in the VIP foundation room, Kathy and Phil. But at this point, Kathy is done drinking. She's just having water. She's done. Yeah. She's done with Phil and with drinking. Yeah. Sounds smart. Uh, Phil orders some more rum, and he's annoyed that she's drinking water. Yeah. So then he's like, all right, get out of here if you're not going to drink with me. Oh, wow. Wow. He actually kicked somebody out. Yeah. So then the driver (laughs) takes Kathy home and then returns. 
I feel like Phil does this a lot. You know, he yeah. he's just like my driver will send you home, and he just he big times people at like uh, local LA haunts like this. Yeah, the way he would shuffle the artists in the studio. Yeah, probably. Lana comes over and apologizes for the confusion earlier. She asks Phil if there's anything more she can do with him, and he insists that she has a drink with him. Mm. He says, "Sit down, have a drink with me." But she says she cannot because she's working. Yeah. She checks in with the manager to see, you know, if she should have a drink with him. And he says, no, you're working. Yeah. (laughs) So then she tells him maybe later. Around 2.30 a.m., the manager chats with Phil by the elevators as the bar is closing down. Phil sees Lana again and says, you're the one who wouldn't let me in earlier. (laughs) Yeah. And then... Lana says, oh, it'll never happen again. I'll remember you next time. So she and Phil get on the elevator and they leave at the same time. She tells the manager, I'll see you tomorrow. Okay. Rob Halford of Judas Priest performed there that night. What? And he's among (laughs) the people who witnessed Lana and Phil talking with one another. That's such a weird element or person to have involved in this. (laughs) Did you think he had anything to do with the I did not. (laughs) Lana escorts Phil to the limo. Yeah. He begs her to come see his castle and have a nightcap. Oh, man. But it's too late for her and she doesn't want to go home with him. There's another version where... She suggested the nightcap. But, but I that's find, the defense, probably? Yeah, I find yeah. that hard to believe. Yeah. So Phil persists, and she eventually caves in. Adriano drives them to Alhambra. <laughs> <laughs> that's, around, a t- that's a tough one to say. <laughs> tough sentence. Around 3 a.m. Oh, man. On the way, a James Cagney movie called Kiss Tomorrow Goodbye plays on a video screen in the vehicle. Yikes. What? This guy's old school. Yeah. Phil instructs the driver to stop at the bottom of the driveway and let them out, because then they can walk up the 88 steps together. That's a chore. (sighs) Dude, I'd be fucking winded. I'm like, it's 3 a.m. Like, for an old guy, like, he's got some, you know, he burns the midnight oil. He's kind (laughs) of crazy. They disappear into the early morning darkness, and the driver goes around the back. And he's figuring that Lana will be ready to go home soon. Yeah. So he's on standby. Two hours pass. It's now around 5 a.m. Suddenly, Adriano hears a distant sound of a pow and starts to look around for what it could be. As he drives up to the front, Phil opens the door, gun in his hand pressed by his side, and he says, I think I killed somebody. Oh, my God. I think. The driver then peers inside and sees Lana's body lifeless in a chair in the foyer. And then Adriano flees in fear. He drives to the bottom of the driveway in a state of panic. And he makes a call to Spectre's assistant, Michelle Blaine, because I guess he said that was the first number that came up in his phone. Yeah. I don't know why. But she's sleeping. And then he puts in a call to 911. Kyle's got the picture of his hair. Yeah. Imagine if you open the door and this guy comes out being like, I just shot somebody. No, or he says, I think I killed somebody. Yeah. yeah. Oh, so Adriano, I think you might have, man. Adriano probably doesn't know what the fucking do. Like, he's, you know, 
he's driving this guy. He knows he's crazy in the mm-hmm. first place. He knows he's, he's a little off kilter, but he also knows he's an important guy who did a lot of big things with a lot of influential people. So he doesn't, he's kind of stuck. He doesn't know what to do. Like, like when um, Heath Ledger died, you know, mm-hmm. the, that, that masseuse didn't know to call 911 or to call, you know, the Mary, Olsen twins, the Olsen twins, like assistant, you know, or, the age old question, you know? Yeah. Do you call 911 or the Olsen twins? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and they didn't even call the Olsen twins. They just called their like handlers or they're like, you know, Ray Donovan type guys. They're yeah. Fixers. They're they're the fixers. Fixer. Yeah. Uh, Adriano, by the way, is the only eye and ear witness to this crime. Wow. And we have the 911 call. This is from the documentary that Showtime just put out. Okay. All right, what are you reporting? All right, uh, my name is Adriano. I'm a uh, few weeks, few inspectors, right? I think my boss killed somebody. Please, can, can you send me a... Uh, he rats on him right away. Well, he's like Takashi X9 or whatever. <laughs> Six nine. Yeah, whatever. Snitch. Snitch. Snitch nine. <laughs> I think my boss just killed somebody. He's in the pool. He has a lady on the floor and he has a gun on his hand. Okay, stay on the line. Sounds like you might be right. Yeah. Oof. Nail on the head. Officers arrive within three minutes of the call. That's a good response time. I was thinking the same thing. I wouldn't get that at my apartment. It'd probably be like three hours. <laughs> it took them four minutes to get up the 88 steps. I think that's why it took so Yeah, long. they got to walk up the <laughs> steps. <laughs> they find Lana Clarkson slumped in a white antique chair in the foyer, butt on the edge of the seat, legs stretched forward, purse hanging from her shoulder. And this position suggests that she wanted to leave. Of course. Mm. Blood is splattered over her face and neck. The bottom of her mouth has been blown off. Pieces of her broken teeth are scattered all over the room. Oh, my God. The white acrylic thumbnail on her right hand has been badly chipped. And a 36 Colt revolver lays on the floor under her left leg. Mm. There are traces of blood on it, but it appears to have been tampered with a little bit the seat her her positioning the gun oh like it's been cleaned like he tried to wipe his prints off it or something who knows like who the fuck is gonna believe that there's no one else there more blood is found in the toilet in a small adjacent bathroom adriano's hemorrhoids nice (laughs) (laughs) a bloody diaper sits on the floor by the trash bin wait what bathroom are you joking no. Are you bloody, really not joking? A bloody diaper. And what? Because some people wrap their guns in diapers for extra lubricant. Are you serious? Yeah, this is how they take care of their guns. 100% serious, there was a bloody diaper in the bathroom. I thought he was he had diapers. This is a diapod first. This yeah. is like first a, a bloody diaper. Factoids. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if it's the first bloody diaper, but it's the first that uh, we're learning they, they're used in um, gun upkeep. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> imagine learn it, something ima- new every podcast. Imagine if you're her and, and this fucking maniac pulls a gun out pulls of a like, diaper. Just pulls a diaper out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You want to see my gun? <laughs> or maybe he was wearing the diaper. Yeah. Oh, it fell out. That's when the bullet went out. Yeah. Oh, God. He tucks his gun in his diaper. 
You want to see my diapies? <laughs> yeah, you want to see my gun and my diaper? They're the same thing, <laughs> same package. Phil Spector is a belligerent mess. He initially tells them that the gun accidentally went off, but at the police station, he changes his statement, telling them that Lana committed suicide. Mm. What? And we have a clip. Yeah, that's what I've always heard is that he said she committed suicide. Also from the documentary. That's such a wild lie, though. It's just like, what? It was an accident. I mean, she did it. Yeah. A ton of drugs at the house. Prescription medications. A bunch. But ultimately, they did a toxicology report on him. And he came up with a couple of things in his system. But it was mostly his alcohol content. I don't think that that made him violent. Daughter Nicole. made him erratic. She's like the Daddy Wagner one. I don't know what that fucking lady, what her problem is, but she wasn't a security at the House of Booze, and she was a piece of shit, but she certainly had no right to come to my fucking castle, blow her fucking head open, and beg her a murder. What the fuck is wrong with you people? That's from the interrogation, <sighs> Oh, bro. my God. What? Defiantly yeah. insane. He had a lot of sympathy. For Lana. Oh my God! Yeah. What an asshole! Jesus. Let's say she did kill herself. That's no way to talk about her, right? Exactly. Who and who would just all of a sudden go to someone's house just to kill themselves with their gun? Yeah, doesn't make someone any you sense. were begging to join you. Yeah, Ugh. but do we know that he was begging? I would assume so. Yeah. You know, there's no, there's no proof. No, yeah. Rob Halford didn't hear that part of it. <laughs> no, <laughs> Judas. Priest. He was probably begging to join them. <laughs> yeah, maybe. He's like, let's get something going, like a threesome. <laughs> really? Well, maybe. you know, he's into some wild stuff. Yeah. Well, yeah. Maybe S and M. Your leather. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Phil, will you put your gun in me? Oh God. <laughs> my butt. First, oh. I gotta take it out of my diaper. <laughs> <laughs> we got a wild night going on here, don't we? <laughs> Police stripped the limousine and searched the entire mansion, taking away all his computers and his arsenal of guns. There were a lot of guns. They took every single gun. Yes, wouldn't you? He might. Yeah, he must have. Had a fucking cachet oh yeah all sizes all shapes yeah and then he was released on one million dollar bail one million dollars the autopsy showed that lana clarkson had a bruised tongue indicating that the gun could have possibly been forcefully shoved into her mouth Mm. she had recent bruises on her right arm and hand eleval and paxil were found in her system which her neurologist claimed was for chronic headaches. Oh, okay. Not for depression. Yeah. As well as Vicodin. And her blood alcohol level was 0.14%, almost twice the limit for driving. Mm. Yeah, but she wasn't driving, so. Yeah, and yeah. Phil was up there, too. Yeah, oh, yeah. And he was like a psychotic, bipolar, you know, schizophrenic. So yeah. I think his uh, situation sounds way worse. That's why they got to Sousa. Mm-hmm. They got a driver. Yeah. Yep. I don't have to worry about it. Phil had been wearing the white jacket at the time of the shooting. It was found on his bedroom floor with tiny drops of Lana's blood on the side. However, his fingerprints were not on the gun. He later told Esquire, quote, she kissed the gun. I have no idea why. 
I never knew her, never even saw her before that night. I have no idea who she was or what her agenda was, end quote. Very sympathetic, nice guy here. Yeah, he saw himself as a martyr. Oh, my God. A victim that the record industry turned its back on. And now he's going to be charged with something he didn't do. Yeah. Yeah, okay. And he he will MLK. Yeah, he was hamming (laughs) it up for the press, like this kind of, you know, the wronged man. Yeah, Yeah. I remember the trial. It was just like, it was like a sideshow. It was ridiculous. I remember it being on TV, but I didn't know who he was really. And I just knew he was in the music industry somehow. And like, he was being charged. Like, him and Robert Blake were on TV. Yeah, it was like like a similar time. Yeah, Yeah. All around the same time. But it sounds like, and you'll probably get to it, but. There must have been a number of character witnesses in the trial being like he always pulled out his gun and shot it into the wall or yeah. ceiling. Imagine Joey Ramone being there. Yeah. One of those fucking nuts. The Ramones had all died by then, unfortunately. Fuck. Have they the well there Joey. Was, yeah. There was a yeah. Uh, when the, did Didi go? Kyle, can you confirm? Didi Ramone, June fifteenth, uh June fifth, two thousand two. Oh, yeah, I was right. Wow, before. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, they couldn't be character witnesses. No. <laughs> and he produced this self-made video, which was explained some Dear of Lord, his I can experience. Only yeah. yeah, we have a clip. The police decided not to enter the house as human beings and to protect and serve. He's shaking the relief. He's talking about the police right now. Yeah, he's claiming police brutality. Mm. Not to enter the house as human beings and to protect and serve, but rather as animals, uh, drunken animals, if you will, because I don't know that they were not drunk. Because all I know is that they came in barnstorming like storm stormtroopers and overwhelmed me. Stormtroopers? Star Wars references? Yeah. Easy to overwhelm you, bro. Um, from the Alhambra Police Department and knocked me down Broke my nose. His um, nose wasn't broken. Gave me two black eyes. Not true. Um, cracked my spine. All okay. which received medical attention afterwards, and I have medical documents to back all They ripped stuff. my oh, diaper. Great. And when that, they yeah. did not feel that was sufficient. They slapped they me with the diaper. 50,000 <laughs> volts of electricity. Okay. Oh, he says he was tasered at the end. Yeah. Okay, I mean... Sounds like he deserved most of it, but of course he didn't. He was also acting like a madman that he, night. Yeah, I believe they His were probably life. like, yeah. "Put your hands down," and he was like, "What are you talking about?" They're like, "Put your hands down, and we'll shoot you." Like he doesn't take orders. No, of course yeah. not. So of co- they're not going to treat him well then. Yeah, yeah. He's used to getting his way all the time. Absolutely. Phil Spector pleaded not guilty on November 20th, 2003, and he spent millions on a legal defense, shuffled through a lot of lawyers. One lawyer he shuffled through, Robert Shapiro. Oh, really? O.J. Simpson. Yeah. And O.J. Simpson was his lawyer? Robert Shapiro. (laughs) No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) And Leslie Abramson, who represented the Menendez brothers. Yep. Then he turned to Bruce Cutler, who impressed Phil because he got John Gotti off. Mm. Some would say those juries, though, were uh, tampered with. Some would say. Yeah. He provides. Yeah. <laughs> before Phil finally landed with Linda Kenny Bodden. 
listen to some of her cases that she's yeah taking on. Jason Williams. Oh wow. Casey Sim- Anthony. Oh wow. God. Michael Skakel. Wow. And Aaron Hernandez. Holy oh my shit. God. That's a murderer's row. Yeah, these <laughs> these people sign up for these big high profile cases just, oh, of for, just for like to audition for other people. They don't uh they don't get paid really. But also she got Casey Anthony off. Yeah. <sighs> that I mean that was an undertaking. I saw someone post recently that Casey Anthony killed her kid so she could go hang out in Orlando. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's a real piece of shit. Yeah. She says her dad did it now. Oh, really? Yeah. There's a new documentary on Peacock. Yeah. I still can't believe she got off. The prosecution team was led by a lawyer named Alan Jackson. He has the, what do you call it? Uh, honorable side of the law here, right? Yeah. More reserved approach. But he went on to defend Kevin Spacey in recent oh, years. So, oh, so uh, my God. That's what happens. They switch sides and then they become a defense lawyer just yeah. to cash in. Yeah. Because they know the weaknesses in prosecution and they yeah. can just start needling. Yeah. It's just so funny. I've been seeing so many documentaries and reading about this case, books, articles, whatnot. And Alan Jackson always <laughs> seems. He seems so honorable, yeah. You know because he's the voice for Lana Clarkson. Yeah. Then I went and read that he got Kevin Spacey off. <laughs> yeah. Then then he's like represented like Dow Chemical and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> like, like companies that are poisoning kids. Phil was indicted for second degree murder on September twenty seventh, two thousand four. Mm. No preliminary hearings. Straight to trial. It was originally scheduled to begin in September 2005, but it kept getting pushed back. And there was pressure on the prosecution because the public was starting to wonder, could celebrities be found guilty? Yeah. As we were kind of talking about before, O.J. Simpson, Michael Jackson, and Robert Blake had all been acquitted. I forgot Robert Blake was, but that's mm-hmm. a future episode. We don't want to dig too deep into that one. Yeah. Also coming in 2023. Yeah. Actually, OJ too. Yeah. Yeah. All of those. Yeah. But all all those ones were around Los Angeles. So maybe mm-hmm. it's just LA trials are fucked. Yeah. Yeah, that could be. Yeah. There was not even a trial for Will- William Shatner. So, yeah. No, not yet. Yeah. Well, we're, we're on it. We're still trying to rattle that cage. Yeah. <laughs> and then the challenge for the jury was to find people who were unaffected by Spectre's music catalog. So people that have not seen Goodfellas. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or uh, Mean Streets. Yes. Or Dirty Dancing. Yeah. The the list is long. People that don't leave the house. Yeah. <laughs> Although they could have on TV. That's true. People that don't have a TV. Yeah, people that are not film buffs. Right, like uh, Amish. Amish people. That would be perfect. Yeah, you'll find a lot of those in Los Angeles. (laughs) (laughs) The trial finally kicked off on April 25th, 2007. What? It took that long? Years later. Man. Well, they do have a big backlog, I think, in Los Angeles of cases. It's specifically a very litigious area. Yeah. Let's be honest. Everyone sues everyone here. And he was out on bail that whole time. So he's just walking mm-hmm. around. Wait, oh, is he just living it up? Is yeah. he in the castle just kind of going crazy, like going up and down those 88 steps, just mm-hmm. kind of losing his mind? Yeah. So nothing's really changed. <laughs> no. 
driver Adriano de Sousa took the stand and stood by his initial account. The gun was in Spectre's hand, and he told him, I think I just killed somebody. Yeah. The defense tried to exploit the fact that English was a second language. He was born in Brazil. Okay. And they say, you just misheard him. Ah. He actually said, I think somebody got killed. Or even, I think I need to call somebody. That's a dirty defense move. Yeah. Oh, I better call somebody. <laughs> What's that from? Degeneration X. Oh, okay. WWF. Uh, yeah, the, the, <laughs> the Rock. Oh, you didn't know? <laughs> <laughs> they added that the ambient noise from the fountain, the water fountain mm -hmm. that's in the driveway, was so loud. And therefore, the driver couldn't have heard Phil that clearly. Bullshit. Mm. Then the prosecution brought up Phil's history of pulling guns on women. And everyone. Yeah. Everyone. <laughs> yeah. A woman named Stephanie Jennings testified that Phil Spector pulled a gun on her at the Carlisle Hotel. And then he called her months later and left her a threatening voicemail message. Yeah. All because she wouldn't go out with him. Wow. What a and, fucking worm this guy is. And the <laughs> message was scary. They play it. Oh. A parade of other women took the stand and detailed their experiences with him, holding them hostage in his home at gunpoint. The gist is there was drinking, then he wanted sex, then he was rejected, yeah. and that's when the threat started. He's like the most toxic guy in the world. Yeah. He's like everyone like feminists are talking about yeah, is exactly. the problem. Yeah. He's like that that killer up in like the Bay Area, like the not all all women guy. And yeah. They're just thinking like, you know, I, I deserve every woman out there. And even though I'm a five five, you know, fucking monster. Yeah. This is what <laughs> Like feminists think that all men are. Yeah. <laughs> sometimes they're they're accurate. Yeah. And, uh, sometimes it's not. Yeah. We have a clip of some of the testimonies. Oh, God. The elevator doors opened up and uh, Dorothy Melvin and Phil Spector exit the elevator. They're having an, uh, an argument. I've never seen this with him when he wasn't drinking. I only saw it with him when he was drinking. He snaps. And he turns on a diamond. Look at him. He looks like a ghoul. Yeah. Phil Spector was saying, uh, that I ought to put what a bullet was that? in the head right now. Oh, there was my a gun God. Pointed at my temple, actually touching my temple. He had. Is that um, a Tracy Ullman character? And he pulled a chair and put it in front of the What door happened to her? I and know. said that I wasn't going anywhere. He said, if you leave, I'll blow your head off. <laughs> that was unrelated, God. by the way. She had messed up her nose in a car wreck. Oh, wow. I'm glad you looked into that. I thought it was cocaine or something. No. Yeah, like a Stevie Nicks situation. Artie Lang. Artie Lang, yeah. Well, yeah well, Just was... a nose collapse. Yeah, but that's, that's frightening. Like, he was uh, not Prince Charming. I no. <laughs> but nobody too famous took the stand. I feel like everybody has their own, like, agendas. Like, I don't want to get involved in this. Yeah. Yeah. Even though he's a complete fucking lunatic. Ronnie Spector didn't take the stand. Crazy. No. The defense pointed out that none of those women filed a police report and there were no records. Yeah. Things were going very well for the prosecution until one testimony from their own DNA expert backfired. Ooh. Stephen Renteria said that traces of Phil's DNA were found on Lana's left breast, but not on the gun nor under her fingernails. 
So this raised questions about the driver's story and why would the prosecution let themselves be undermined by one of their own experts with this? Yeah. Because it just gives more ammo to the It defense. muddies the waters yeah. of, of exactly what happened there. Because if they did find his DNA in her fingernails, that shows the struggle. In defense. Well, they, ha- she, they have defense wounds on her arms and stuff with the bruises, but that's not enough. Apparently not. Yeah. Because that's hard to prove. Yeah. That, that she didn't have those bruises before or it was caused by something else. I don't know. Yeah. A couple people say they saw Lana's chipped thumbnail on the floor. That acrylic white thumbnail, remember? Mm-hmm. But that it had been illegally removed. Mm. The prosecution alleged that Dr. Henry Lee, a criminologist hired by the defense, is the one who recovered it off the floor. He denied this under oath. Does that thumbnail prove there was a struggle? Or does it show that she pulled the trigger? Oh, yeah. Mm. So it's kind of murky. But shouldn't ballistics know if she had fired a gun? Like, like you could tell... gunpowder residue should should be able to tell you. Yeah, like they, they do some test or something on your arm to see if like you had fired a gun and it's very clear. Yeah. You know, if you had or not, I'm surprised they didn't do something like that. Well, like, they did do tests. Oh, they did. Okay. Yeah. But again, it's muddy waters. Yeah. Because you she could was prove so close. either way. Yeah. The defense would say this, then the prosecution would say that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I'll get into that now. The first witness for the defense was forensic expert Vincent DeMaio, who stated that he believed it was a self-inflicted gunshot wound. Okay. The defense tried to paint the picture that Lana was financially strapped, stressed out, and depressed at the time of her death. One witness was friend Pumpkin Pie Laughlin. Oh, good oh old Pumpkin Pie. God. Hey, Pumpkin Pie, get up here. <laughs> Claiming to be one of her best friends. You promise to tell the truth? <laughs> quote pumpkin pie the whole truth and nothing but the truth <laughs> quote two days before she died lana called me and was crying her eyes out for an hour she said i'm going to get a fucking gun and blow my fucking brains out i don't want to live anymore what and is this quote, true this is what pumpkin pie testified she said that lana was humiliated by the nine dollar an hour job at the house of blues oh so she hated the job and that her comedy audition tape was not received well when she passed it around. Yeah. She no. should have got another set of eyes on that yeah. first. Yeah. Oh, I'm, not, I'm not saying she killed herself, but. She also told a story where Michael Bay. Yeah. Of Pearl Harbor fame. <laughs> of the Transformers, like, you, Rise you, of the Machines. You name his best movies. Eh? <laughs> he had directed Lana in a commercial once. Pumpkin Pie tells a story where Bay didn't recognize Lana at a party, and that made her cry. Oh, man. Bay himself took to the stand to refute this. What? Quote, if I had disrespected her, she probably would have slapped me. She was just that saucy. Wait, so so the defense made up this cockamamie story that Michael Bay had slighted her, which may have contributed pumpkin to pie did so pumpkin witness pie, for the why defense. is she lying pumpkin pie like why is she we don't know is she in the tank for phil or the defense or something or? i think there's some gray area though really sounds I, like some green area ah mm, little payoff 
Kyle's um, Ky- like a noir uh, character. Yeah. <laughs> Cullen. Yeah, that's right. Cullen. Cullen. Maybe Lana wasn't that happy yeah. with the way things were going at the time of her death. Does it really matter? Yeah, no. but you can, you can shape it. Anything anyone says, like me saying, oh, you know, my phone sucks. I want to kill myself. And people say, well, he didn't really like his cell phone at this time. Yeah, people say it all the time. I mean, even if she did actually say that, I wouldn't think that it's grounds to believe she stole his gun from him out of a diaper and blew her own brains out. (laughs) Yeah, that's a a stretch. You think she was happy working at the House of Blues, co-owned by Dan Aykroyd. Absolutely not. Treat this guy like you would Dan Aykroyd. Okay. Well, then some of what pumpkin pie is saying is true then. Sure. I'm sure she, she might have said, I, I want to fucking blow my brains out. But why Who wouldn't if you're working as, as the hostess at House of Blues? Yeah, you're why a working is, actress. All of a sudden, you're working I'd say it every, an hour. Every five minutes, I'd say that. Why yeah. is she contributing to this alternative theory for the defense, though? I don't really understand She's that part. She's just telling it like it is. Yeah. Doing she, her patriotic duty. Yeah. Patriotic duty. I think she's got a few uh, greenbacks. Mm. You're sticking with the greenback theory, yeah, okay? I, I think a couple hundreds fell out of his you know, hair. You know, it could have. He, the guy had tons of money. He, he, he had money to throw around. I'm sure he had this big defense yeah, attorney. Of course. You know, maybe he had a, an agreement with with pumpkin pie. I, yeah. You know, and pumpkin. she said that. Whatever. <laughs> she said that <laughs> Lana would have to seat actresses that she had beat out for roles oh man and that it was humiliating yeah it, what is not a good plan to work as a hostess at fucking house of blues look what it led to yeah i think people think that they're gonna get discovered like you know washing windows in la and stuff yeah. and like no one knows you go know. do another little richard video before you go to the house oh, of blues Jesus. yeah Oh, I thought that was going <laughs> to ignite some comedic gold. <laughs> the prosecution countered that it was ridiculous to suggest that Lana was suicidal. Her longtime agent, Nick Terzian, testified that Lana was still vital and getting work. In fact, she had just booked a modeling gig before she died. Really? And other friends stated that she had just bought new shoes. This, again, it sounds kind of sad. Yeah, it's like they're just scraping the bottom of the barrel. She, <laughs> she bought more comfortable shoes yeah. for, because of all the standing at the House of Blues. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And rhymes, too. <laughs> and she, she made new headshots as recent as January 2003. That's always the actor's move. Yeah, I think new headshots are really going to turn yeah. us around. Before the last headshot in February 2003. Oh! Okay, Kyle's cooking with gasoline. Check, please. Hello. (laughs) Goodbye. (laughs) Is this thing on? Then turn it off. (laughs) And then there was also a rumor that she had gotten another acting gig and that she was actually going to have to leave the House of Blues job because of that. Mm. Well, if the agent's saying it, then, you know, I believe it. Yeah. Well, that one wasn't from the agent. Oh, okay. the modeling gig was though. Yeah, but that's that's documented. Like they had a contract, they had a deal, like yeah. in place. But again, I don't think it matters if she was fulfilled or not in this House of Blues job. I think, rightfully so, the prosecution is going to act like she's never been happier. I think yeah. they even said that as much. Yeah, and both sides are like you know they're yelling from the top of the you know a building how much they feel you know seriously about their 
their their platform or their stance or yeah, what, what mm-hmm. they're trying to say. And, you know, it's all theater. That's what court cases are like this. She's happier than when she was starring in Barbarian 2. Yeah. yeah. Right. Top billing. Definitely not. But if you're if you're the prosecutor, you should say, look, guys, we know, you know, she was nothing was perfect in her life. Whose is, you know? Yeah, exactly. But she was just a little bit. You know, depressed with the with the tough industry. It doesn't mean she took a you know gun out of a fucking producer's diaper and shot her <laughs> exactly. fucking own head off while sitting down. It actually makes more sense why she went with him then, because she was kind of desperate. And he does have connections, and he does know right. Well, yeah, some of the connections he has, it's like you know, you know, old you know producers like Robert Ever- Robert Evans and stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Lastly, the defense called science as a witness. Science! <laughs> okay, what? What? Because there was none of Phil's DNA on the gun nor his fingerprints. Lana had gunshot residue on her hands, which indicates that she pulled the trigger. And he had no gunshot residue on him. And with an intraoral gunshot wound shot through the mouth, the matter is expelled back through the mouth and sprays outward. Really? Blood splatter was found all over Lana Clarkson. And Phil Spector, who was wearing a white shirt, had no blood splatter on him, even though he supposedly fired the gun from two feet away. Phil claimed he was at least eight feet away. The defense said that the case should have been decided with that clean white jacket. To be fair, he probably thinks two feet is eight feet because he's so tiny. Nice. nice. Kyle's on fire. I know. He's really going after it. Uh, but, like, could Phil have burned a, a shirt or something? Or are we sure that. No, that's the shirt. Because it had a, her blood on it. Okay. But down by his side. Oh, that's There were weird. tiny drops of her blood, but yeah. not splattered. And then this was explained away by a forensic pathologist named Dr. Werner Spitz. <laughs> what a name for her. Yeah, he sounds like one of Hitler's generals or something, or like one of their evil scientists. He testified <laughs> that her dying last gasp is what splattered on Phil Spector's jacket as he looked on in horror. Mm. So that's one of the theories the defense presented, yeah. that it was an accidental suicide. Hmm. And they don't know whose gun it was, even though it's pretty obvious it was probably Phil Spector. So there's no record of the purchase of the gun or anything. The Colt revolver was never registered, and it was never proven that it belonged to Spector. So he's got like black market guns, like off the grid guns in there and shit. Yeah. So they're saying it could have been her gun. Yes. It's like a burner. Fuck out of (laughs) here. Investigators, you know, said that that was unlikely because there was even a holster that fit the revolver on a nearby bureau. In his yeah. boot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, she brought her own diaper with her own gun. I, the, the, but they're proving the reasonable doubt thing, and they're, they're really... Reasonable doubt. They're that's really exactly muddy it. in the waters. Yes. And, that, and so that's the theory that she, for some reason, had the gun, and he was walking towards her, and... She had it by her mouth, and as it was going off, he's like, wait, or like, stop. Yeah. And then it goes off, and then that's where that th- those dots got on his jacket as he held up his arms in horror, watching her shoot herself. Yeah, that's a crazy that's scenario. That's one scenario that the defense presented. I believe the driver where he, where Phil said, you know, I think I killed someone. Yeah. Yeah, I the gun too. in his hand. Of course. Yeah, that's pretty. Would you take the gun out of someone's hand if they had just 
killed himself. The only thing I can say, though, is even though I believe Phil Spector is guilty, the defense did a good job of presenting reasonable doubt. Why was there no blood splatter on him? And why would no prints be on the gun? I mean, it could have been like a weird, like, sexual thing, too, if, like, he put the gun in her mouth and then let it go. And she went to, like, catch it and friggin' shot her own head off by accident. And then he's just like, ah! Yeah, there's so many weird scenarios. You should be here. a crazy defense attorney. Yeah. <laughs> but either way, you know, you have to blame Phil Spector. I don't care what Oh, absolutely. He's the one that who only, who only person there, presumably, that Even knows if, how to operate a yeah, gun. If she accidentally did it, that I feel like that's still on Phil Spector. Yeah. Now let's talk about the hair. <laughs> and I'm talking about Phil Spector's hair during the trial. Yeah. yeah. Phil Spector continued to play the victim. Quote, the action of the Hitler-like district attorney and his stormtrooper henchmen to seek an indictment against me and censor all means of me getting my evidence and truth out are reprehensible, unconscionable, and despicable. End quote. He disliked the judge, Larry Fiddler, accused him of leading the jury. Fiddler on the take. (laughs) (laughs) Every day he'd start out by saying, now remember, we're here because somebody died. That that. that pissed Phil Spector You thought that was a a presumption of uh, Yeah, like, why remind the jury that someone died? (laughs) (laughs) Why else would they be there? (laughs) Makes no sense. And of course... If you were around at this time, you remember he would show up to court in a different wig every day. Yeah. Was he mocking the system? Was there a lack of respect there? Or was he just making it a good show because television cameras were allowed to be there? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, maybe he's just trying to show like... You know, he's got some character and he's just showing like, I'm just a crazy guy and that's why people think I killed someone, but I didn't. Yeah, maybe there was more to it than we know. His wig maker is this dude named Piney. <laughs> and he I'm says Piney that, boy, was he busy getting those wigs together every week. Wow. Yeah. Is this the one, uh, the Anne Hayes wig maker? Same <laughs> yeah. one? They're friends. In Venice? They know them? each other. Yeah. And by the end of the trial, he convinced Phil to go for a more mellow, combed down look. Well, oh, that there he, he yeah. kind of looks like yeah he got he's got the mop top there and we he's have like a clip the new member of Oasis yeah <laughs> <laughs> oi him explaining this in a BBC documentary uh oh the wigs the wig guy yeah they ask him about what was up with that Ben Wallace the Detroit Piston Forge Ben Wallace that was a tribute to Ben Wallace the Detroit Piston Forge it took me four and a half hours to get my hair that way I woke get up the four, fuck four, out of here four o'clock in the morning I worked at eight o'clock with Rochelle to get my hair that straight up in the air like that his hair she permed it she did everything to it and it was a tribute to Albert Einstein and Beethoven Ben he Wallace and Jeff, Albert Einstein but oh I was wearing God. my hair like Albert Einstein in those days what the f- I was wearing my hair like Dylan and uh yes, this looks like Matthew Perry. My hair yeah. like in those days. I was wearing my hair like Dylan, and uh nobody was making fun of Dylan. That day it got a little extreme. It got a little extreme. You think a photograph for some reason in one photograph, only in one photograph, in a dark setting, <laughs> in a particular camera lighting photograph. 
much puffier and bigger than it actually was. I just don't like the idea that anybody doesn't think I'm taking this not serious. <laughs> Sounds like he's melting. Oh my God. He was, but he's, he's saying it under the assumption that it's real hair. Yeah. A tribute to Ben Wallace. Ben Wallace. NBA. <laughs> he got, he's one of the players that got into the Malice of the Palace fight. Oh, where well, they're beating yeah, the shit out of right. fans and stuff. He was on the Pacers then? Uh, no, he was on the, uh, that was in Detroit when that happened. Oh, he, yeah. He so was the, on the Pistons. The Pistons were beating up the fans too. Well, they, yeah. Not as bad, no. Yeah. But he was in he was in the original scrum that uh, yeah. turned into. That's funny. I saw um, Meta World Peace when I was on my hike uh, like last month. I don't know if you oh, remember. God. That. But yeah, I was like, <laughs> I was like, I want to say something to him, but I kind of don't want to. Don't, <laughs> yeah, don't fight him. Don't, yeah. <laughs> hey Meta, how's it going? <laughs> he seemed pretty happy and content. Nice. Yeah. Good for him. Good for him. Nice update. Yeah. <laughs> Just a quick tidbit there for you. The crew for that BBC documentary, The Agony and the Ecstasy of Phil Spector, mm -hmm. they noticed all his wigs. You know, he had his wig collection showing. And they said, wouldn't it be funny if we set up a shot and you walk by in a wig and then you come back wearing another wig? Yeah. We'll just do that, you know, for over and over. Yeah. And then he looked at them and said, what wigs? Oh, my God. That's my real hair. That's hilarious. Oh, my God. So, yeah, because that's what he was saying in that mm -hmm. shot. He was he was saying it took him forever to, to, to you know, do my hair. I'm like, hair? Because he didn't know this shot was going to be released. Yeah, we're going <laughs> to get to that. So, yeah. Yeah, that's wow. weird. He lives in his own fucking reality, this guy. In 2006, Phil married his third wife, Rochelle Short. You heard in that clip, he says Rochelle helped him perm his hair for hours. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's his new wifey. Nice. And she was like 40 years younger than him. So wait a second. Uh, the trial is still going on at this yeah. time? Oh, wow. Mm -hmm. oh. Well, 2006 is before the trial even. Oh, okay. So in between. After that's when he married her. So women are still, you know, not running away from him. Well, a woman married one of the Menendez brothers. That's true. Oh, there were girls writing letters to Aaron Hernandez. They wanted to meet up with them. Yeah. And, and, and guys. Anybody who does it. Yeah, yeah. A lot of guys. I don't do. think Aaron wanted to meet up with those guys. Yeah. <laughs> Barking up the wrong tree, yeah, sweetheart. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, that's crazy, though. That, but yeah, there are some morbid people out there that that do find murderers attractive. I think he also had a fifty million dollar fortune. Yeah, especially rich murderers. Is that how much he had? Uh huh. Yeah. He's well, still, yeah, that seems low. That's what's paid. Do you think you can get Robert Shapiro as one of your lawyers if you don't have fifty million dollars? Yeah, but it's also high profile. Like I was saying, sometimes oh, okay, they do it pro true. bono just to get yeah. more work. You're but, right. Like Casey Anthony. Yeah. On September 26, 2007, the jury could not come to an agreement. The votes were 10 to 2 in favor for a conviction. Yeah. The judge declared a mistrial. Oh, my God. Mm. Alan Jackson, the prosecutor, apologized to Lana's mom and sister Fawn, who had been there every day to seek justice. Yeah. Meanwhile... Phil and Rochelle were filmed dancing for news cameras outside his estate. Oh, my God. Imagine that. <laughs> they were. I saw footage of this. They're just dancing, like going like, woo. Yeah. 
God. And you're just thinking, it was like when you saw OJ celebrating when he was found not guilty. It's like, people are still dead, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Why would you be celebrating like this? Because they're megalomaniacs. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) District Attorney Steve Cooley made arrangements for a retrial immediately. And Larry Fiddler would be returning as the judge, much to Phil's Fiddler on the bench. Yeah. Here come the judge. Here come the judge. Phil tried to get a different judge. Yeah, Reinhold. (laughs) Ha! Carrie Anderson, rest in peace. <laughs> right. He would have yeah. been better off with any of them, I yeah. think. And Linda Kenny Baden was too ill to return for the new trial. Because yeah. oh. she actually had pneumonia throughout the original trial. Damn. See, that that's hard. I recently had a bout with pneumonia. I had pneumonia and COVID. Yeah. Oof. And uh, yeah, it, it, it just drained every bit of energy out of you. And you survived. I survived, yeah. Wow. For now. For now, yeah. Then he drops. Kyle's got some other ideas. Yeah. <laughs> and Phil got new representation with lawyer Doran Weinberg. The retrial began on October 20th, 2008. This time, it was not televised. So we couldn't see his wigs. No more wigs. Nor was there much fanfare. And the media was much less interested. Mm-hmm. On March 26th, 2009, the jury returned with a unanimous guilty verdict. Bye-bye. See you later. The sentence, he was to serve 19 years to life, then another four years for using a firearm in the commission of a crime. And he was ordered to repay Clarkson's mother for the price of the funeral. Yeah. That's great. Justice served. Yeah, and I'll see you in civil court after that. Yeah. Get that be my baby money. That house is mine now. Yeah. He was immediately taken into custody and served out his time at the California State Prison in Stockton, near the Bay Area. Sounds nice. He divorced Rochelle in 2018. Oh, shit. That's pretty cold when you're in jail and you divorce someone. Like, I, I this isn't working for me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think he thought she was stealing from him. Oh, really? And there was a blind item that he was trying to send coded messages to get her whacked. Oh, wow. (laughs) Jeez. So he just, yeah, he is the villain everyone thought he was. That was was just the blind item, though. I believe it. (laughs) Who's going to sue me for that? I do like the idea of a hitman uh, writing blind items. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And his first mugshot showed him without his wig looking glum. Oh my god. Yeah, he looks like like Nosferatu or something. (laughs) Yeah, he does. Yeah, he looks like worn and beat. Mm. Not to say he looked better with the wigs. He looks just yeah. Which like, uh, which one are we talking about? Yeah, here? They, they they're both crazy. You see him in all his glory here because he was always a short guy. Yeah, had huge ears. You know, kind of a weird pointy nose. Mm. And boy, that is all on full display. Yeah. He looks disturbing. And he seems to be happier and better adjusted in later mugshots. Yeah. There's that other link, Kyle. Oh, yeah. He actually um, he looked all right. <laughs> he looks buff. He kind of yeah. looks. <laughs> yeah, he's a jack now. He got a spray tan. Yeah. He's doing tough mutter. <laughs> <laughs> he actually kind of looks like... Um, Whitey Bulger. In, in a little bit, years. yeah. <laughs> I guess when you're in prison and you're an older guy uh, who's crazy, you just look like the same person. I've yeah. never taken a photo where I looked that happy. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what happened that day. but 
I mean, I, I think a guy, older guy like him in prison, he's probably fine. You know, they don't really fuck with you uh, when you get that, that old or, yeah. you know, whatever. And they don't try to fuck you. They definitely, yeah. I think he's uh, past his prime in many ways. Yeah. Phil Spector died from COVID on January 16th, 2021. What? He was 81 years old, died in prison. That's so funny. Fauci killed him. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Ronnie Spector released a statement, quote, it's a sad day for music and a sad day for me. When I was working with Phil Spector, watching him create in the recording studio, I knew I was working with the very best. He was in complete control, directing everyone. So much to love about those days. To know him was to be completely fucking terrified of him every day of your life. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Except for the guns, diapers, uh, you know, screaming, uh, horribleness. Yeah, like 80 other things. Yeah. He was a great guy. Great artist. And I have a clip from the HBO movie directed by David Mamet. Meme. Ooh, David, you want to direct this movie? And this scene dramatizes when Linda Kenny Bodden, his lawyer, yeah. was meeting with him for the first time at his mansion. Okay. Looks like my aunt. Girl <laughs> shoots herself in my house, and that is the legacy my children will live with. Come on in. If I go in there, will you keep me there by force? <laughs> You say the Jews invented the music business. The Jews didn't invent the music business. Whoa, Kanye. I invented the music business. (laughs) 7th Avenue, New York, there's a a statue, little old Jewish guy, yarmulke, bent over a sewing machine. He's that guy invented ready to wear. I invented the music business. Where's a statue of me? Where's the presidential medal? Presidential medal? (laughs) Sidney Poitier broke the color barrier? Are you kidding me? He was playing Superman. He does sound like You want to know who he was? Yeah. He was an uptight, frightened, white guy's version of a black man. I put the Ronettes in their home. I put black America in the white home. Jesus. First time you got felt up. First time you get... Somebody's hand on you. Guess what? You were listening to one of my songs. Did you kill that girl? I thought attorneys never asked that question. (laughs) I think we should start a new game show on the on the podcast. Uh, Kanye West or Al Pacino from Phil Spector's movie. (laughs) (laughs) People get it wrong. (laughs) <laughs> what a crazy rant to go on. Yeah. And you're like, so will you represent me <laughs> at the end of that insanity? Yeah. yeah. That was their dynamic. Yeah. <laughs> was that well, that's how he was, though. He'd just go off on tangents. Yeah, you saw like, some of the clips. Yeah. He's insane. Oh, yeah. my God. He, he basically is saying that he created the entire music business. That's nuts. Mm-hmm. I, it was there before him. And he claims you lost that love and feeling that's the biggest selling, most popular single of all time. Yeah. You can't beat it. Well, he he was making music when you could actually make money in music and like big money. And like there weren't like that many hits out there. So he must have fucking 
cleaned up in those days in the yeah. 50s and 60s. Yeah, on the production and the executive side, he was probably crushing. But also stealing from black musicians. Oh, absolutely. A ton. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and just sort of ripping them off and paying them nothing and yeah. you know screwing them with the copywriting and stuff. Saying he put black America in white homes? What yeah. the fuck is going not on? Mo- not Motown or anything. Yeah, yeah exactly. Phil Spector only. Jesus. What a jerk. And since it's the season for it. Tis the season. I should mention that he did produce a Christmas gift for you. Oh, yeah? From Phil Spector. Oh, nice. The classic album. Listed as number 142 on Rolling Stone's list of the 500 greatest albums of all time. Wow. Yeah. And it features all the Phillies artists. Darlene Love, The Crystals, and The Ronettes. Is it the first rock and roll Christmas album? Mm. I think so. So he created this genre. Yeah. Of Christmas uh, music. <laughs> <laughs> Christmas rock. Yeah. It was released on November 22nd, 1963. Oh, certainly nothing else could have happened that day. But <laughs> there was some bad luck because Kennedy was assassinated that day. Yeah. <laughs> So that kind of killed the sales because the country went into a state of national mourning. Yeah. And people weren't in the mood for rock and roll. That's like fucking George Carlin's uh, lost album. It was called I Kind of Like It When a Lot of People Die. And it came out on 9-11. On 9-11. <laughs> or it came out on 9-12 or something. It was yeah. crazy. And wow. Glitter, too, came out on uh, 9-11. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, caused it. Yeah, could have. <laughs> yeah, I think that uh, the terrorist Mohammed Atta did reference glitter as one of the reasons they why put they put a jihad on. Yeah, glitter. yeah, they knew the production was started. They knew it was coming out, and they wanted to send a message to Mariah Carey: "Don't make any more movies." <laughs> Loud and clear. Loud and clear. <laughs> she did do precious. Yeah, <laughs> some would say it's a little excessive, yeah. but uh, I don't. <laughs> Are you talking about Precious herself? No, I, I'm talking about <laughs> Mark. Some, some no, some people would Gonna say get us canceled. Yeah. Some, some people would say 9/11 was an excessive response to glitter. Oh, <laughs> oh yes, yes. That's what I was trying to say. Them, yeah. And Precious was a, an excessive response to glitter as well. Yeah, yeah. It was nominated for the uh, most non-diminutive person. Oh, can't say it's catchy i'm not alone yeah you can't say diminutive <laughs> i can't say it i can't so i won't so you think about diminutive. it too much yeah there you non-diminutive go. there you go diminutive yeah. there we go you yeah. can't say it now diminutive <laughs> denominational yeah this is like a, a exercise we're doing here yeah. phil specter pulled the album off the shelves after that it eventually personally be- it eventually became a radio favorite and a 1972 reissue by Apple Records landed it in the Billboard Top 10. Wow. And it has since become a seasonal classic. Yeah. Ronnie Spector died on January 12th, 2022, uh, this year. Oh, my God. Everyone's dropping like flies. After a short battle with cancer, she was 78. Mm. Wow. Final thoughts. Uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Phil uh, really fucked up. I think it. This was eventually going to happen at some point. I'm actually really surprised it took so long for it to happen. It just sucks that it happened with someone he didn't even know. He met that night. Was like, come over to my place. Yeah, and pff, something really bad happened. And she was the unfortunate victim of just 
him just finally snapping and just losing the last marble he had left in his brain. Yeah. Really bad luck. I mean, you could argue why did she even go home with him? Yeah. But again, that's I think, why she was there. Yeah, it's more believable that she was kind of down on her luck. Yeah. And it was kind of exciting. Like, what the hell? I'll have a Phil Spector story. Yeah. Yeah. Like, this dude still probably knows people in the business. He could probably help me out. Certainly this has a lot I, of money. This is why I came to the House of Blues to get noticed. And, and now I'm my, being noticed. This is my ticket out of the House of Blues is uh, Phil Spector helping my career out. Yeah. It yeah. was her ticket out. That's for sure. Oh, Just, boy. Okay. Jesus. I mean, it was. Wow. Just very. Yeah. I'm I'm glad my that, that overshadowed my 9-11 comment. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just very horrible, horrible, horrible circumstances. And yeah. she never got to do a remake of the jazz singer. Nope. No. Yeah, that that video. Oh my God. Yeah. Well, well it, you know, it, I think she would have found her footing though. I think she would have been cast in something yeah. as, you know, uh comic relief on there's so many tv yeah. shows now that's what She'd jennifer coolidge does now exactly like yeah. the older busty lady who's funny she had and a, she wasn't even that old then she was 40 right she had a yeah. resurgence and uh you know like travolta did too with pulp fiction you know and yeah there's always possibilities of coming back you know there are some good comeback stories in hollywood yeah not a lot of them but there's some solid ones. I think she could have found a role, just focus more on what she's best at, which is being a comedic actress. Yeah. yeah. Not doing little Richard videos. Yeah, but <laughs> yeah. she shouldn't have done that video. But you know what? That's all history. Bridge, yeah. Took a risk and really went at it. Yeah. Yeah. It just wasn't good. Oh, my God. Or appropriate. Oof. Yeah. Well, yeah. speaking of going Aid at it, balls. You, speaking of going at it, you guys should go at our YouTube. Hey, yeah, because yeah, Death and Entertainment is getting some big following counts there. Check out our faces. Check out the faces. We're here, you know. We're you know we're kind of in and out. We're still working out the technical tweaks to uh, to get yeah. you know some of these things working. But I just paid my internet bill, so I think we're good. Yeah, they like that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Kyle, do we have another review to read? Uh, sure. Oh, yeah. We have a new review, which I really enjoyed. New review. Keep selling them as Kyle finds one, Mark. Yes. Yeah. Uh, we're, we're, we're also on TikTok. Instagram. Instagram at Death Entertainment. Instatalk. Instatalk. <laughs> TikTok at Death Entertainment. Also, and that's really blowing up. That's like, we're like, you know, hype house, you know. Yeah. Um, <laughs> we're influencers over here on TikTok. And they uh, removed your Steve Irwin video. Though. They did, but I reposted it because Great. I changed the title because they didn't like I guess the title. <laughs> they didn't like the baby danger genre. Yeah. And you know, I can understand that. You know, there's some some bad stuff out there. I I was just playing stuff that's been on CNN. I, I'm not, that was literally a news yeah, clip. It was yeah. a news clip. So yeah. Um also, email us any episode ideas you may have um, at death Entertain- uh, Gmail, deathentertainment at gmail.com. You got it. Good got job, it. Yeah. Mark. Yeah. <laughs> and we want to wish you a very merry holiday. Very merry holiday. <laughs> yes. Yeah. We say things a little bit off here all the time. Um, <laughs> I'm trying to be inclusive. Of course. Yeah, holidays. Happy holidays. We we got Hanukkah. We May got the Christmas. merry bells keep ringing. Kwanzaa coming up. Yes. So Natalie Nola, uh, she wrote to us. She said, so glad to have found this podcast. These boys have made me laugh out loud so many times. Informative and comical. 
I love that jokes carry throughout episodes. Keep yes. doing the good work. Of 10 course. out of 10. Yes, That's we do we have do a lot it. of callbacks. Yeah. Episodes, we, we do so. follow things through. If yeah. you don't understand why we're laughing at certain things, uh, maybe listen to more episodes. All yeah. right. Right. The back catalog there. Yeah. Or bringing up Carson and Leno. Ugh. Yeah. Uh, this is my favorite true crime podcast. It's hilarious as well as informative. Keeps me on my toes and laughing. Kyle's voice makes me melt. Oh, yeah. Okay. So That's Kyle's the one reading this Yeah. One? If you're looking for your new go-to podcast, look no further. Can't wait for the next episode. That's from Ashley in Florida. Thank you. That's from Kyle's Nana. I That's know, from my right? mom. Very questionable. Yeah. My mom, which uh, t- she texted me right before we started this podcast and said that she knows about uh, tours holiday tours where you walk through people's houses they do did one she sent me a link to one in milton massachusetts mm. so the ramses weren't the only one and they did charge money for it yeah okay i might yeah. do it when i'm back in boston i'll go down to milton to this weird house yeah exactly <laughs> <laughs> i'll put a dive sticker on the wall there yeah that'd be perfect yeah all right so i love those reviews keep yeah them keep coming. them coming we Hello. love it keep it coming we will read them as you write them yes, yes. love it thank you guys we love you r.i.p lana clarkson yes yes Rusty. absolutely Undeserved. i she was a cool gal yeah and it would have been nice if she stuck around yeah, yeah. and phil specter did not murder her which he did and he's a scumbag and he got and he's he gone now too and he got what he deserves yeah oh boy do not rest in peace shit list yeah but he did create a great christmas album which i would like to honor ronnie specter yeah by playing one of her signature songs from it as we go out okay. beautiful we'll play out with that and until next time Don't go dying on us. Yeah.